Oh, wait, 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 wait. Time out. Give me just a minute. I got to go get my glasses real quick. I forgot them. <laughs> the most old man thing you could have said right there. <laughs> I'm going to put that in the podcast. Welcome to the Nerdtastic Podcast. Yeah, let's do this. It's going to span comics, movies, TV, games, anime, whatever we can throw out there, we're going to throw out there. It's a constant battle. This one is a nerd fight. Just like all the Titans You guys know I'm very easily entertained. Put your tray tables up and your seats in the full upright position and get ready for the Nerdtastic Podcast. Welcome to the Nerdtastic Podcast. This is a special podcast because today is a nerd fight. In this corner, we have the newcomer, uh, Desmond, who was the judge in last performance. You have anything to say, Desmond? No, I'm ready. I'm good. I'm saving <laughs> my energy. All right. He's saving his energy, <laughs> keeping it, keeping it tight. In this corner, we have the loser from last The round. reigning loser! <laughs> the reigning loser, Kern, who is here to get his uh, his dignity back. Do you have anything well, to say, Kern? Yeah. Well, By losing his dignity. <laughs> I don't know uh, about getting my dignity back, but I'm going to... I'm going to give it a hell of a shot. Uh, I'm not trying to conserve energy or anything like that, but, you know, um, hopefully I'll put up a good fight. You know, we'll see. You know, it's just the people at home have no idea that, like, the the Macho Man, like, promos that I cut anyway. So Uh I'm like, yeah, I'll just keep it low key. They they, they don't know about the used cars that I sell or anything. Yeah. Oh, my God. The 1972. (laughs) It's a Dodge Impala. Cars even go together. <laughs> this package, let me tell you, there's no miles per gallon when you're in here. It's only thrills per minute. <laughs> Dodge and Paula. Yeah. All right, we're getting all ultimate wrestling up in here. All right. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna we have a nerd fight. So we've got seven questions in total. Got to have that odd number so that there's a nice little tiebreaker if we need it. Um, we'll probably go through all of them anyway, because that's what we did last time. Unless, uh, it just gets to be so one-sided that, uh, yeah, we're like, well, this person won. <laughs> uh, yeah. so let's... You have to call Mercy and, and stop the fight. Yeah. Can TKO step in. So I've got him, I, I was trying to figure out the perfect order to do these, all of these things in, but I think... I think I'm going to go ahead and just go with the order that they were in that I told you guys. Um, so let's start off with... That's good. Queen. That's good because my answers, I numbered them one through seven. So that would really <laughs> screw me up. It's just just a mix and match. Like, yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> which, one, which, one, which, which one was that one? <laughs> it's like, wait, which one? Uh, did I do fuck that it, fuck to it. be Robo-Cops. my this? Robocop's my favorite musical. Let's move Robo-Cops. on. Robocop's my favorite musical. <laughs> that's, not, that's not the question. That's not the question, Desmond. No, I wasn't using a real one. I didn't <laughs> want to give away the thrill yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So question numero uno in the nerd fight 
is pick a non-Pokemon monster that you have to use in a Pokemon-style tournament against other non-Pokemon monsters. So, who wants to go off first? Shall we start with Kern? Sure. All right, Kern, take it away. Alrighty, so I was Googling, uh, like, uh, different monster, like, you know, try to figure out what, what kind of monster would I want to pick because I didn't, you know, really just off the head know. And so I tried to go, like, as against the grain as possible as a non-Pokemon monster. And and everything that I've brought up now, we can argue the fact that this isn't a monster, and, and if we have to throw it out, then I've got a, I've got a backup just in case. But... He is considered a monster. Uh, he's a lab experiment. Um, probably one of the only guys to ever kill Superman, and that's Doomsday. Doomsday. Doomsday is fine by me. I, I'm I'm gonna choose the Predator from the Predator series. Ooh. All right. So let's let's go ahead and uh, you guys are in the Pokemon battle against each other. So, why, what does your monster bring to the table that's going to be able to defeat the other monster? Kern, you go ahead and go first. All right. Well, w- one of the things that Doomsday brings to the table is uh, superhuman strength. You know, he's as strong a- as Superman, if not maybe even a little bit stronger. Uh, he pod- He possesses, like, extreme stamina. Um, he's, uh, he's just a brute when it comes to his strengths. Uh, and the other thing that, uh, encompasses his strength is his immunity ability. You can't, you can kill this guy, but he's not going to stay dead. He regenerates and comes back to life and then he becomes resistant to whatever it was that killed him. So if the predator has some arsenals in his in his deal that's similar to what he's died from his immunity is probably going to be built up a little bit, maybe not totally uh, because it is a different, uh, it, it would be a different uh, uh, adversary, but he's good. He builds immunity each time he dies based off of whatever it was that killed him. All right. All right. Uh, Desmond, what do you have to say in regards to uh, the president predator? <laughs> the predator is literally what his name says. He's called the Predator for a reason, okay? He is the perfect killing machine. He is intelligent. Part The thing that makes him dangerous is how smart he is. He plays you. And then you want to talk about immunity. That's fine. How many weapons does a Predator have? The Predator is literally car- covered in weapons. He carries an entire arsenal on him. He has blades. He has spears. He has knives. He has chakras. He has a plasma cannon. He has self-destruct. He has a spaceship that's full of other weapons. He has a spaceship that is a weapon. I, I just, there is no way that the predator just goes down without a fight. I don't care. You could be superhuman strong. The predator has armor. He has a whole spaceship. He's got gravity fields. He's taking you down. He hunts aliens for fun, okay? Xenomorphs that you have to throw out of airlocks and power suits. He eats them. Maybe. I don't know if they actually eat them. But he kills them for <laughs> breakfast. <laughs> All right. So we've got, on one hand, we've got a super strong behemoth uh, 
regenerative monster. On the other hand, we've got a super intelligent, uh, multiple weapons at his disposal monster. Um, so, uh, specifically, Kern, what, um, what does he have a, how is he going to defeat the Predator? What is his, uh, game, what would be the fight be like if, if he fought a Predator? Well, I think, I, I think, uh, you know, the, the deal is, is it, I don't think it's, I mean, let me try to figure, figure out a great way to explain this. Um, after he stops laughing at the predator, he's going to just mutilate him. Uh, you know, doomsday has immense resistance to heat, cold and conventional damage. Now conventional damage in, in my head would would be basically like what we think of as conventional tools. And uh, the Predator, he's got a couple of power weapons, but he's got a lot of hand weapons, which, in my opinion, his hand weapons aren't going to do squat against Doomsday. Um, maybe maybe some of his power weapons are going to do some damage. You know, he's got that cool little thing that pops out of his his back, his shoulder area, and can laser beam and, and shoot you and stuff like that. But... Uh, you know, I just don't I don't see the Predator being able to stand a chance against Doomsday. I mean, uh, he the the way he got his his regeneration power is is as a kid, he was basically in a lab and he was killed over and over and over and over and over again so many times that he eventually built up an immunity to death so that he when he dies, he can regenerate himself. He was even vaporized to oblivion and still came back to life. Maybe with the help, a little help of Lex Luthor, but he still came back to life. I mean, you you can't stop this guy. I mean, he, like I said, he's as strong as Superman. He's got superhuman strength. He's, uh, he's just a brute. And, and the thing is, is there's no, the, the predator is kind of the same way. when it comes to being able to, you know, uh, reason with him, you know, their when their focus happens, it's going to happen, and there's going to be no reasoning with with uh, with Doomsday. And and once once the Predator plays his card on Doomsday, it's going to be game over, man. All right. You, All right. you, you say that, Kern, but here here's my problem. It's a Pokemon battle, man. There's no. It's not about killing. It's about the knockout. Doomsday might regenerate a million times. That's great. As long as the Predator can find a new weapon, he can take him out every single time. Right, that's so a good that. point. That's a good point. Uh, Pokemon battles are to knockout. So if you manage to knock out the uh, the Doomsday, I mean that's it. He can he can regenerate afterwards just fine. Sure, but this is a Pokemon battle. That knockout is what matters. Well, I mean, the knockout is is exactly. You're right. That that is what matters. And uh, you know, I've I've seen the Predator. You know. You know, he got taken out by Arnold, you know. I mean, he got launched, you know, by a little tree, which is nowhere near the amount of force that's going to come out of the strength well, that Doomsday has. He got taken has. out by his own self-destruct. So let's put that in there, too. Even if you managed to get the Predator down, he wasn't knocked out. He was down. No, he, he was he was, fin he was finished off by the self-destruct because he knew he was done. And he knew that he was going to take everybody else with him. So he didn't get taken out by his own self-destruct. It was the same equivalent as a Nazi chew, chew, chewing a... Uh, 
cyanide tablet because they know they're done. They know they're captured. They know they're finished. I'm going to end this before I give up any information. That's what the Predator did. He got taken out. He hit his freaking button so that he'd take out everybody else with him because he knew he was done. It was a no-win for him, and so he's just like, fuck all y'all. I'm taking you with me. That's right. And in the Pokemon arena, you can't run, which means that self-destruct comes into play. Secondly... The, the Predator, you want to talk about, I get Doomsday can come back. He comes back from being a skeleton. He comes back from being dust. But he's also been imprisoned a lot. He's been managed to be trapped, captured, pinned a lot. The other thing being that the Predator is not some little bitch, okay? He, he can take shotgun blasts. His armor withstands all alien blood okay doomsday's not just gonna knock him out it's not gonna be a one-hit fight doomsday's gotta hope it's a one-hit fight but if he hits him that first time and it doesn't happen that's it that's what doomsday's got all he can do is keep punching and hoping it wears down the predators bring it everything you're right maybe those arm claws don't do anything but if doomsday's punches don't do anything he's really screwed hmm. all right so this is a tough one there's some there's some pretty um pretty tough tough stuff going on i'm gonna say we're gonna have uh a last a last bit here tell me um let's see what would how how would they they finish him off what would be the finishing move that uh that this person would do and why would he win give me the last bit here and we'll go into deliberation uh well for doomsday you know on the defense and the attack side both you know unless the predator's bringing like dark energy power and and you know pure energy rate in in things like that i mean he's he's not he's not going to stand a chance and and he doesn't possess those abilities he doesn't even possess that arsenal he doesn't even have a laser gun that would do that you know the doomsday has had yeah he he might get captured and everything but i mean you know, they're not gonna in, in a in a fist fight or a battle royale. You know, they've got to out cun cunning him, maybe trick him and trap him in a battle style arena, gladiator style arena. He's walking in knowing he's going into a fight. There's not gonna be there's not gonna be no little trickery. I'm gonna you know walk into an area and accidentally get trapped. He's pure evil, pure force. He adapts uh, to his uh, enemies and. Like I said, you know, he killed Superman, you know, I mean, holy shit. All right. Okay. All right. So he killed Superman. He can't fall for trickery or anything. I hope that's true because you know what? It's again, it's a Pokemon arena. We're not in a gladiatorial arena. This is this. this, you're, you're, You're here to be entertained, but it is not gladiator. The predator can turn invisible. Okay, he's invisible. Yeah, sure, Doomsday might find him, but it's a trick. When he finds him and moves towards him because he's got that one-track mind, guess what happens? Net pops up, laser grid, he's trapped. Doesn't matter if it's toxins, doesn't matter if it's sleep, hypnosis, Pokemon get poisoned, they get caught, it's out. So he doesn't have to kill him. The killing thing is something the Predator has on the table. We don't know what his weapons could do. His weapons level forest, okay? They built the pyramids. I'm sure they have technology that can deal with doomsday all right this one is a is is pretty tough i feel like you both have have picked really good contenders and have defended them well um this is a good time for me to introduce my impartial judge 
because last last time uh, Desmond had uh, his lovely wife uh, to be a, a judge to help him pick the answers. I've got my uh, boyfriend Trent here. Hello. He says hello. Hello. <laughs> so renowned international assassin and fun enthusiast Trent. Yes, that's 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 the Trent. Oh wow. He's like wow. <laughs> my rest reputation precedes me. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh man, this is this is pretty tough. Um, do you have anything anything to? to hey, can I change my can I change my deal? I'm from Doomsday. <laughs> I, I pick Trent. I pick Trent. That's... <laughs> he's not a monster. He's a man. He's a man. This podcast gets deep. Okay. <laughs> uh, so this is basically the classic. Brains versus brawn, I feel like. You've got the hyper-intelligent uh, hunter, and you've got the berserker, who is super strong. Um, so they're pretty decently matched, I think. Do you have anything that you'd like to add, Trent, <laughs> to help me out here? <laughs> yeah. The only thing is... I've got some opinions on some things. Like The only thing I can think of is... Uh, the, what... I'm not too familiar with Doomsday. I know he's like one of the like rivals of Superman and stuff. <laughs> but uh, does he have anything that can like uh, beat out like beat out uh, the Predator's stealth technology? Like, can he like sense things around him, or can he like see invisible things? I don't know. Does he have any power? That's, well, that would be my only question. Well, the thing. I mean, I don't know if this answers the question, but. Um... You know, he's adapted from all of his different confrontations. So we're assuming that we're talking about like, you know, as a present style um, doomsday and not like a brand new doomsday. And um, he uh, has been able to resist uh, the Man of Steel's paralyzing nanites. And uh, so, you know, with a couple that with his with his high strength, I mean, I don't know if a net's going to hold him. You know, his defenses are he he can cover his body with metallic armor and he has ability to fly as well. So even if you throw him in a net, he's not just going to sit there. So I don't know if that answers the question. I don't don't really know. Is there any way he can like I think I think it's more about the the visual, like being able to see or sense the presence of somebody who is invisible. Well, I mean, that's a good point. He brings up a good point. Like, I guess you move that over to. For the Desmond, like, what's the biggest thing uh, a predator has brought down? Is it just the the alien? The biggest thing, the I mean, or... an alien queen, which I would say is pretty legit. I mean, they managed to cage those things and take them to different planets to create new aliens all the time. So it's apparently not something that's too hard for them. They do it for sport. It's a rite of passage for them to do this. So they expect people to maybe not have an easy time, but it's not seen as something impossible for them to do we see that in like aliens versus predators and stuff the other thing is sure uh just to continue i know i'm just answering the question but since kern brought it up i'd like to address it yeah he may not get stuck in the net but the net gives a few seconds how much time does a predator need to kill you right it's just tough like there's things to consider like much like it's not it's not like an open like it's not like a 
old space station or weird yeah. ruins. Like they're fighting, they're out, they're fighting just in an at arena. a Pokemon G- in gym, a, in yeah. an arena. So the predator really can't hide anywhere, but he does have the stealth technology. But that's kind of why I was curious if the Doomsday had any ways of sensing that. And then, of course, like once he reveals his presence, then can he bring Doomsday down fast enough to? Till like Doomsday gets a hold of him, that's questionable. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm still kind of like leaning towards Doomsday, just because I doubt the Predator can bring down the one thing. Like I assume when they brought down the Queen uh, Alien, it was like a group of Predators dealing with it, not just one. But <laughs> I don't know. I never watched the movie to be honest, so I can't really no, the, decide. The individual, the individual. Uh... Predators do bring down. They do them by themselves, I believe. I, I knew they could take down like a single alien. Like, yeah, that's that's kind of like their um, thing. But yeah, I think this one is really tight. Um, classic brains versus bronze fight here. Um, however, I think it is leaning a little bit more to one side, and I'm gonna give this one to Kern for Doomsday. I'm not mad about it. I was, <laughs> was kind of worried because it was, was like, it was really tough. Know. But I think yeah, I think that Doomsday's a little bit, little bit crazy, just a little too strong. I think if the setting um, maybe was like a forest or a like ruins that like the the guy could, could hide in, and, I, and I, I think that, I, that could definitely like swing mm-hmm. it the other way. I what guess. was your? Hey, I'm just curious, Desmond. Did you have a second pick like a backup? Oh, the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. <laughs> oh, that would have been perfect because I had Godzilla. <laughs> that would have been a great fight, too. I, I would have paid money to see that, that battle. I was worried about fire, so Godzilla would have been a good pick. I was worried about fire with the Stay Puft Man. You know, I was like, oh, okay. even if he melts, does he re- since he's ectoplasmic, does he retain control of his liquid form? Because then I feel like he's more dangerous. <laughs> but I didn't want to have to argue that on top of the killing ability in the arena. So I was like, no, just... Just screw it and go. Yeah, that would have sucked if you'd have had that as a as a as as a for sure, and I'd have had Godzilla because yeah, he breathes like nuclear fire. Yeah. Okay. So next question, then we shall go on and see if Desmond can get this next one. Um, this one is a personal favorite of mine. I'm sure you guys loved coming up with this. Um, this question is: Which video game would make the best musical? Bonus points. For song names. Let's let Desmond go first this time. First off, I want to address this question. I almost tanked this one. Now I'm glad I didn't since I lost the first one. But I almost went, I don't know. And just let it be. But instead, I decided to have the right answer. Uh, which is Dante's Inferno. Mm-hmm. Okay. Kern, what was yours? I'm, I'm not going to make my argument. Yeah, I just went. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, this was this was really tough for me. You know, um, I was like really going back uh, to my childhood as far as I've been playing video games, uh, doing, you know, Google searches and everything to try to j- refresh my memory on stuff that I had played, stuff that I enjoyed either as a, a video game or maybe a had had a very good story mode to it. Or as we've advanced with some of our gaming over the last, you know, several years, did it have a good cinematic type, you know, feel to it, you know, all of that. And uh, it was really, really tough. And so I kind of I'll go into a little bit more depth as to as to why I picked this. But I kind of went a little bit against against the grain on what I was initially thinking and picked Destiny, the game Destiny. Okay, so the we've got uh, Dante's Inferno. Which is a what is this? It's a 
uh, like action yeah, adventure action game. Adventures like God of War kind of thing based on uh, the Divine Comedy by Dante Alighieri. Awesome. And then uh, we've got the Destiny, the Destiny. Uh, the what what is it? The the game, the MMORPG, the the Halo MMORPG. Well, I mean, I, I guess it could be considered that. I mean, it, it's it's not a true massive multiplayer game. Um, you can go into, um, just on a side deal, I'm not making an argument here. You can go into um, areas where there's public events, and there might be 15 people there or something like that. All right. And you can, and you can interact with the AIs, but you can't really interact with each other. So, in other words, I wouldn't be able to, like, shoot and kill and attack uh, another um a guy from, you know, like he's playing with another group or whatever, you know, they would be basically invincible to my, my weapons. So it's not really like a true MM, you know, RPG. Uh, so I, but it's, uh, it, it had a story mode to it and it's got multiplayer aspects as well. So. Cool. So, uh, Desmond paint the scene for me, uh, to give me a little rundown on the story and why it works so well with a musical. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go ahead and lay out my whole thing because Sweet. it don't really kind of goes all together here. I know that's not what you asked, but I explain. Um, so the reason I picked it is it one, it's already based on a written work, right? And at the time, if there was ever, it's ancient. Well, not ancient, but medieval kind of. And so, if there was ever going to be an adaptation of it, they had to. It had to originally be made on the stage so it's already built in that that's the thinking that's the imagery that they have that's what they picture plus because it has plot points because it moves through from one to two to three it's perfectly built to have acts the set pieces it all happens in hell so it's the production value can be there it's not a space fantasy where the visuals like in destiny play such a big role the production value on that thing you would need an an incredible budget to pull it off. Honestly, that's not attacking it right now. I'm just saying, laying out mine, the, it's doable. You have the scenes, you have the different characters, you have trials before different entities in hell. He goes through the nine circles. He see He's a crusader coming back from the crusades where he did horrible things, and now he's atoning through them as he goes through all the different deadly sins and all the circles of hell to save his beloved who has been snatched by the devil and taken down there's an actual moral to the story the the whole thing is an allegory the whole thing is character pieces it's about moving from person to person it's about moving from lesson to lesson and it ends with an actual finish and uplift and you come out having learned something not just about the story but about yourself bonus it's fucking awesome and metal so, uh, the, as far as a musical goes, the reason why it's the perfect musical is it's not going to be like other musicals. You can have Judas Priest and Iron Maiden in this thing. You can have black metal in this thing. You can go as dark as you want with this. Or you can just be classical, musical, and have it sing because it's operatic. All right. So, it's a, it's going to be a... Um... And I like that that it's got uh, doable scenes. Uh, the setting's not going to be too expensive. Um, the I, I like the idea of having it be a rock opera. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um, not a lot of people do that anymore. Um, so, Kern, explain to me 
uh, lay out the scene for your Destiny musical. All right. So uh, the first thing that pops in the head whenever I started thinking about this, and, it, and it's not actually from the game. It's, it's actually from another game. But it's a song, and it's like, it's it's I don't know if you've ever heard it or not, but it's it's actually from Mercenaries Two, and it's that song. It's like oh no oh no oh no oh no you didn't sucker tried to play me but you never paid me never oh no you didn't, and then it just goes from there and it's it's got like a good tone to it a good mixture it's a funny song. Um, I started thinking about that because when I started thinking about how, how would I do how would I do this story, you know would I just you know and 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 that's where I went off track on this is because I, I, I was thinking inside the box about storylines to, to games. And I'm, I'm like, okay, you know, this, this has got a good storyline. This guy's whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I started thinking about destiny and I said, you know what, let, let's explore more about what destiny actually is. It's not just the story mode. It's everything that encompasses this, this game. It's the crucible, which is PVP. It's strikes. It's raids where you build a fire team and you take your party in as well as the story mode. So what I would do is I would basically build my own story as a musical with parts of the actual story mode that's in there. But because they interact with these strikes and these raids and these other fire teams in crucible, I would make it to where it's almost like a space cowboy Western type feel, uh, not 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 like uh, Firefly, but almost along the same lines. Uh, you know, the sparrows. Yeah, there's there's a budget consideration here, so we got to dumb this down quite a bit. You know, I can't have sparrows physically. The sparrow is the is is basically like a speeder bike, like from Star Wars, mm-hmm. uh, that the that the guys jump on and they fly to their destinations and stuff like that. And so you can't just have these actually flying around you know you don't have a green screen to do all this with i you know to you know you're not doing a movie you're doing a musical that's on i'm assuming it's on stage and so you know i would dumb this down to the point of almost like a monty python style deal where the guys come out with like these little speeders deals that are strapped to their shoulders and those are their sparrows and uh so and I wanted to be a comedy musical as well. So as they're going on these missions, you know, there's one guy, he treats his sparrow just like a steed. You know, he talks to it and everything like that. The guys are, as they're singing their parts, everything, he's like, you know, uh, you know, saying stuff like, how, how are you, you know, it's it's a machine. He's like, don't talk to her that way, you know, type deal. And so uh, I want it to be a comedy, but I want it to, to – do the whole story or not the whole storyline, but parts of the storyline, but also encompass the other aspects. So therefore it would be like pretty much like an original, an original, right. You know, I wouldn't take the story out of, of the game and try to put it on to a musical. I would just take parts of it and try to encompass the whole entire thing and come up with my own musical. So it would be something almost kind of like a Raiders of the Lark lost Ark type type deal or even like in Firefly where your team is uh, trying to uh, access something or, or, or get a certain point to a certain point and gain gain something and there's another fire team that's trying to beat you there and they're trying to they're going head to head sometimes and, uh, and and jacking with each other and, and, and playing tricks on each other and stuff like that so all right so on this side we've got a comedy almost farce uh encapsulating all different parts of the game not just the the first player storyline but the the uh pvp and everything else in a comedic almost like 
uh, outside of the box kind of way. Okay, I, I, I'm, I'm digging that too. You know, comedies are great. Uh, musical comedies that don't take themselves too seriously are also uh, very popular and really enjoyable to watch. So, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm digging on this. Um, so, Desmond, let's let's do some attack. Desmond, why why would uh, your musical uh, be on Broadway longer than than uh, Kearns? Okay, I'm take this point by point. One. Well, Kern sounds fun and it's doing, and everyone loves Spamalot and Book of Mormon and things right. like that. He's mashing so many things in there that aren't really the game. It's just, I feel like you're just borrowing the name Destiny and slapping it on like an episode of Red versus Blue. Like, this is something that Rooster Teeth made, like Laser Team or something, and you just want to call it Destiny so it'll be part of the same universe. It seems like a very big media move to me. It's not taking the story and translating it. It's taking parts of the story and kind of working it. And then there's a team and it doesn't really follow like what, what is supposed to be the plot? It's just fun. Okay. I'll buy that. That's fair enough. But then that's what you're selling. Whereas now to explain what mine would be awesome and run longer. This is the opening. The opening of the game is Dante is a crusader, right? He has gone to these crusades. He's been told that he will save his immortal soul by doing the things he can save his family he can do it and he goes and he sacks the city and he gets the 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 muslims and the saracens together and they want this relic and he ends up massacring them to get it because the king tells him to and then he comes back and he is stabbed by an assassin and death appears before him and he fights death and kills death and finds out that even though he was sentenced to everlasting damnation for his sins, that he thought they were going to be absolved because that's what the church told him. He fights back and comes back. He defeats death, refuses to accept his punishment, his fate. And then he goes on, sews a tapestry onto himself in the shape of a cross that depicts all of his different sins that he's committed while he's been at war. When he comes home, he finds out that his father has been brutally murdered, his wife has been stolen, and Lucifer drags her to hell, okay? And then he goes to hell through the gates of hell to challenge him. That's the opening scene. That's just the opening, is this guy fighting death, refusing his own fate, and traveling to the gates of hell itself. And then all of a sudden, Hallow Be the Name starts. They start singing it. Satan's there singing fucking Iron Maiden. It's wonderful. I, it's something you're not going to see anywhere else. This is You can see a thousand comedies, a thousand generic musicals. That's what's playing. You're not going to go see a rock opera. You said that rock operas are kind of out of fashion. It's true, but people love them. There's a reason they're still popular and performed in small theaters. And if you brought one back that was blending an old story from like the 13th century with modern day heavy metal music and production values, people will go crazy. All right. That's uh, that's fair enough, I think. So, Kern, um, mm-hmm. why would your musical last on Broadway longer? Well, um, first of all, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like slam on Dante's Inferno because you know I didn't play the game, and the story that Desmond's telling does sound like a really good story. So, I'm not I'm not gonna slam on that, you know, because you know there's an audience probably for that, uh, just like there's an audience for everything. Um, what I will do is I'll defend the, defend what was said. Um, and that's that um, you can't throw you, you can put a put a story idea on a rock 
and throw it in any direction you want, and it's going to hit already something that's been done. Swamp Thing went to hell and saved his girlfriend. And so that story's been done as well. I mean, so you can't come up with an original idea nowadays without it having encompassing some aspect of something else somewhere. The whole thing about creating a story is to try to make it as entertaining as possible. And that's why I went in the direction that I did was because I thought, well, you know, I can I could write something. I could take aspects of it that still encompasses the story of it because it's got a it's got a decent you know plot to it. And quite frankly, there's a lot of video games out there that their story mode is okay or it's lacking or anything like that. So so to try to take something out of a video game that's just kind of okay or mediocre and try to try to make it something that it's not uh, is a little bit tough so trying to improve on it is is what my goal would be and so uh by you know making it as entertaining as possible you know it wouldn't be campy it would be very entertaining very well done um you know the the characters that are that are in this uh realm of destiny are uh very strong characters very comical style characters um obviously you know um you're not going to get some of these guys probably to play in the musical, but uh, you would try to get get their sense in these characters, like Cage Six, for instance, voiced by Nathan uh, Falian, and uh, uh, I forgot what uh, his name is. Uh, that's Lenny. Uh, he plays on The Walking Dead. He plays uh, Morgan on The Walking Dead. He voices uh, Shax, and uh, so you would try to get the same presence that these characters have, but also at the same time, you know, throwing something out there on the level of like, they've got to be able to sing also, you know, it's just, you know, I was talking about this the other day with Moulin Rouge and Ian McGregor. I never knew that dude could sing really well. And, uh, until I saw that movie. And so that's, that's where my mindset is. It's not, you know, yes, yes. You're going to come up with something. It's going to have a red versus blue type feel to it. You know, I mean, because it's a video game and it's going to be a comedy. I mean, you, you, I mean, that's, you know, they, they set the bar when it came to that. So, yeah, it's going to have that feel. But is it going to be that? No, it's not. It's not going to have the same characters. It's not going to have the same same type of like, you know, idiotic type deal. It's going to have the, its own characters. And that's that's the part of writing something fresh and unique is to is that, yeah, it's going to be similar, but you still try to make it as fresh as possible. So I don't know if that answers the question, but hopefully it at least defends uh, what what Desmond Desmond said to a to okay. a level. And, All right, I, yeah. I'm, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna attack Kern at this point. Not it's not an ad hominem. I just want to ask one question. You're telling me that you don't want to see Crusader Knights fight the devil while oh, dude, the realm I'm not of saying you're, you're 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 like now you now you're like you're playing. On it, like I tried to put a trend <laughs> up while ago and say I wanted him instead of Doomsday. You know, I mean that now you're playing on me. I, I mean, fuck yeah, I want that. At one point, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, point, I'm not saying I wouldn't sit there and watch it. In hell, because he was told that she had been killed. She'd been killed by a disease. No, she committed suicide because of his father's like cruelness towards her. She hung herself and she's in hell. Tell me that mo- that mother by Danzig doesn't play over that, and you don't just rock out. 
Well, I do. I do. And, and if it's done well, maybe so. I wanted Speed Racer for the longest time, too, and we see where that got me, you know. But <laughs> I I mean, so I'm not saying that, that Dante's Inferno is a bad idea. I'm just saying that, you know, uh, it's, it's all about the audience. And, and what I would try to do is make something as fresh as possible and as unique as possible as as is in the physical form that I could. You know, like I said, you can't you can't write anything today hardly at all that isn't similar to something even if you've never seen it before you'll sit there and come up with an idea and somebody will go oh yeah that's just like 1957 blah 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 movie and you're like right which is i mean we're both on the same page i'm embracing a 13th century like how like he would produce epic poem i'm fine with that the story. I don't. I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel either. He kinda, I just I know how he would put that. You're you're state. you're taking the comedy farce approach to it, and I'm saying yeah, I want to make a metal rock. It's gonna be an action comedy. It's not just a. It's just oh, not no, a comedy it's a thing. It's an action stuff. comedy. I, I, I get it. I'm not knocking the premise of your like deal. I'm just saying I think mine is more like interesting. Play, right? It's been around. Like this is a story. Again, your story in some form has been around. But Dante's Inferno, the divine comedy. When, when I get the like space years. western, space western with a with a firefly feel, uh, people are going to come to that like crazy because there's so many people out there that want a continuation of Firefly, and and that's the and that and yeah, that's the feel that I want to go for because you want to draw those people in because they don't have it anymore. Well, and people so, like Firefly. I'm not going to deny that. I don't. I get that. It's not for everyone. I get what you're saying there, but I'm saying 700 years. The story's got legs, bro. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think I'm hurting for that. Okay. So let's, let's look at it from a uh, technical standpoint. Um, Cause I've seen, I've, I've heard some great, like uh, some really great ideas of how the stage is going to be set for both of these musicals. Now, um, how would you stage it? And in a way that's, that's practical in a way that is not going to cost like it is a Broadway production so they're going to spend quite a bit of money on it but in a way that's not going to you know force your show into closure because they lost a lot of money so what is what's your stage going to look like do you have any ideas on how you would save money and budget and what you would do to 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 make it look as good as possible well yeah, I'll go first on that. I mean, with today's technology and things like that, you know, you, you can utilize video for a lot of backgrounds uh, on on stage that actually look pretty, pretty cool so that you get that initial that initial background to something. And then the rest of it is 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 uh, um, uh, stage. When stages uh, use video, not props, but um, projections. And oh, stuff. I'm hey. trying to think of the of the word, but like, yeah, it's why, stage effects. But... It's it's you know it's basically the the products on the stage. I can't think of what I'm the word I'm trying to say. So like if I wanted a tree on the stage, you know there would be a tree, you know whatever. So you know uh, with with some of the boss battles and with some of the the things within Destiny, uh, you can you can make it look epic without going crazy overboard in other words like if i wanted to give the feel of like uh um wrath of the machine on the final battle which you'd have to google this if you don't know what on the wrath of the machine on the final battle you know if i wanted to give that look um to where uh it was it was something uh like in that whole uh arena it wasn't really arena it was on a ship but in that whole arena you know that could be done easily. Now, 
where the complexity is going to come in is with the actual boss. You know, if I do something where it's going to be the boss. So that's going to become a little bit more complex. So then we're going to do something that's like a puppeteer style deal, you know, on the on the level of what, uh, you know, like if you want to say Jim Henson or something like that. And that is going to have some production uh, cost involved. But at the same time, if that's presented well and that's done well, then that's going to add value to the production and it's not going to take value away. If it's if if it's a failed attempt because it was done cheaply or it was because it was, you know, improperly managed, then, of course, it's going to fail. Um, So other than other than that, the stage setup itself, whether it's a whether it's an open scene like in a in a desert area or whether it's in in a ship, that's all pretty much that's all pretty much easily done. You can stage uh, um, uh, shades with lighting uh, to give different different hues. Uh, so that's not a big deal. Um, but, uh, the main thing would be the, the characters itself, anything that's, that's a non-human character, which I would limit, you know, to, I would not have, you know, 15 different, different bosses that they have to fight. Everything would be costume. And just like a cosplayer does that is, is able to, to put together and wear, and and manage within that suit and move properly and not uh, have to have huge assistance or anything like that. They might have to have assistance to put the gear on, but not. So the main thing would be the boss. That would be the biggest limitation in that. And and like I said, you know that that would, you know, but by by saving money on certain things, you can put production cost towards that. All right, and Desmond. Again, uh, story's been around for a very long time. It would not be the first time that it's been put into uh, play or television or movie or anything with a production value. It has pretty much a single set. It's mostly hell, so you can reuse a lot of the parts of that. Uh, no problem there. you got to get the music, but that's part of the deal. That's your big cost, I see, is licensing some really great music. Uh, as far as costuming and all that goes... You have a lot of demons. You're going to have a few different shades of the characters. But you're talking mostly about background and two antagonists, protagonists, more of a choir uh, in the background. You know, it's not something, a chorus line happening, sure. But there's no big, unwieldy set pieces that have to be rolled out. There's a few that you could use properly, but we're talking three or four that have to happen. There's going to be a, maybe some pyrotechnics, sure, if you want. But I think it's more appropriate to do through the old school fashion. Let's do light and smoke and mirrors and bring it really home and make it a stage play. Because your focus should be on the story and the music and the acting. And that's one of the things. By making a rock opera, yes, these people sing. But we're not talking about having the greatest voices with lines of dialogue. We're talking about memorizing standards that people love and come to rock out to as long as well as follow the story so these, these are songs that most most people could learn there's nothing crazy happening here so i think it's very easy to get better acting with less focus on singing every line of dialogue and having some operatic parts where maybe some levels or some characters are that way but i think that the biggest value it has is that the set is consistent because the story is a through line. It's a journey through hell. There's no worrying about changing up too much. You want it to look different, you light it different. You move it, you block it different. There's not a lot 
that has to be changed to this. Your budget really stretches, and you can make those pieces look really good and really polished and really bring them up because you can see them from all sides. You flip it, you know, one way to the other. You're in theater. You know how it goes. We just have to keep rotating it. We change the backdrop. We get some lighting in there. We have different little functions and gags built into it. Sure, but these are reusable, and these are one, two-time things. They're not constantly going. We're not in a fantastical foreign place. We're in a place we already kind of have a concept of. We all have an idea of hell, and we have a culturally shared idea of hell, which is what you play upon. It's dark, it's fiery, it's hot, it's red, it's moist. You're, you're halfway. <laughs> it's, it's moist. Yeah. <laughs> it's so hot did, and moist. Did, Man, I, I usually got to pay, I got to pay like five ninety nine a minute for that kind of talk typically, and I'm getting it yeah. free right now. I'm just saying, you, you get a lot of bang for your buck on this, Karen. Like, uh, <laughs> you paid your five ninety nine, you'd definitely be happy. I I think it travels well, and the thing is, I think it scales well. I think this is a play that doesn't have to just be a Broadway play, because like I said, this could be a little theater play. This could be an off-Broadway play in a small house. It, it It's more about the story, and that's the beauty of it, because it's not some technical, you know, spectacle. You don't have to... You don't have to focus on that part of it. All right. So last last little bit on this. Did any of you come up with song names for your for your musical? Oh man, I didn't even think of that. Oh, <laughs> man, I don't know. I think mine's a little different because I, I'm like I said, I would be more into licensing songs. Right. But you mentioned there, a there, few there of yours. Be, I think there would be one or two originals. Um, I, I think when you. Think at the beginning and at the end, probably closing out with original numbers. But the rest of it's going to be a lot of just metal. Like honestly, that's the that's the way it, it it would have to go. I mean, all right. Well, I think I think on mine, I would have to go with something. I mean, like because I am going to go with the comedy style deal, you know. So I'm going to have music in there that's that's like shenanigans type thing, um, uh, and uh, as far as a name, yeah, now are you talking about like the the, the name of the main too, theme like song for it, like the main score like, or something? It's a better story than this theme. Yeah. Is that what the question was? I don't understand. It's, like you said, no, it's just like there's like musicals. Uh, their their big thing is their soundtrack. Um, obviously. Oh, okay. So a name for stuff. the soundtrack? No, just like the the each song, like the like what what were they sing about and in like. What would the name oh, okay. of the song be? Oh, okay, so you know it, there would be stuff in there like like fire team shenanigans, like I said, you know where where you're punking on your buddies and stuff like that. You know, there's there's that kind of stuff because there's going to be that comedy. There's going to be a little bit of that slapstick and everything. Um, the uh, you know you you've got you know songs that's going to be like uh, uh, major strike. You know, is you know a strike is a is an activity that's in the in the in the realm of destiny that you build your fire team and you go into, um, and uh, the other thing would be uh, I, I guess it would be something along the lines of uh, um, it would be like a like a ghost. Uh, what would be the best word for to say that? Like the ghost blues, 
type thing because uh, <laughs> the ghost in Destiny, um, everybody slams on the ghost, you know. So they're just like, well, I don't need to shut up. You know, he talks too much or whatever, blah, 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 even though he's got a lot of important stuff to say. You know, so he would have and, – and this is the thing about the ghost is that we talked about props and everything like that. The ghost, just to give you an idea, the ghost is just a little deal that that as, as the uh, guardian, because they're all called guardians, you open your hand up and the ghost kind of pops out above your hand. So it would have to be something that, that is staged to where it's on like a little trigger type thing where it kind of pops up and kind of floats there suspended. And, um, they might, you know, like on a spring type system and then it's just, it's just animated. And then you could even go into a bigger effect to where it draws into the ghost and you actually have somebody coming out dressed like the ghost and they're actually doing their whole song, um, within everything and it spotlights and it darkens and it hides the set and everything. So there'd be stuff like that in there. Okay. So this one, this one's tough, but I feel like we we gotta we gotta move on. Uh, I feel like we spent way too much time on this one. Right. Um, this one was really tough for me because I do love I, I love the idea of both of these musicals. I think they're both. I think the Dusty one sounds really fun and quirky, and I do love Spam a lot and Book of Mormon and the Dante's Inferno one sounds really intense and like real and like and like I love the idea of the rock opera. I haven't seen one in a while. Um, I think this one I'm going to give to Desmond. Overall, the just the that the idea of the story is more cohesive than the one Kern could give. So I, I'm going to give it to you because it feels a little bit more like something that could be put together. I'm just celebrating right. in my happy dance over here. It's all right. <laughs> we can move on. Yeah. I'm surprised. These are some big questions, and you guys. Put some a lot of details in it. There's there's people who this is their job to figure out like <laughs> ways to figure out these like play stuff, and you guys just did it in like a sitting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and half of that, you know, half, you don't half, half of that, Tupac holograms now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, true that. Virgil's a ghost in mine. I didn't even get to. I was like, we're done. I'm not gonna argue, but he's a hologram. Like that's right. Yeah. Well, I'm inspired. You know, on half of that shit, I'm just firing from the freaking hip. You know, oh, yeah. 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 You're looking through my playlist, like, like the music would be. Um... Oh, I was scrambling for that, dude. <laughs> but this is this is the thing. I got to be honest. You know, uh, back back when they were going to do a 48 hour deal in Amarillo, they were talking about doing a uh, a Makina film. And when they were talking about doing that, I thought about doing something and do video capture on the game Destiny and actually create something similar to what I was talking about. Yeah. So uh, that's oh, where yeah, that's kind of that's that's kind of why I settled on it because as I was searching around, I was like, oh, wait a minute, I kind of already thought about some of this a little bit, not much, but <laughs> yeah. you know. All right, so let's move on to the next question. We'll try to go a little bit faster through these. All right. Um, so that we can not have a three-hour podcast. <laughs> um, so the next one is, and this is the half question. This is the the trick question, if you will. Um, I had the question be: pick your favorite childhood movie character. The movie had to be PG under and uh, PG and under only. So, uh, Kern, what was your what was your uh, childhood character? Well, I don't know. This is the deal with me: is that. And, and, and if it's going to get thrown out, it's going to get thrown out because I will see in two different freaking ratings for this movie. And uh, my character is actually King Arthur off of the movie Excalibur because I did see that as a kid. It came out in like 1982 or whatever it was. I don't remember what it was. 
it was rated R when it originally came out, but then it was rated PG on some other sites, like I guess maybe on today's standards. So I don't know. I'm prepared to pick another one if you want to throw that out um, because it technically is rated R um, for the time. To be fair, though, there are many different um, King Arthurs from many different uh, like cartoons as well. Um, I, I don't. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I think. I think it's. I'm, I'm gonna throw it over to Trent. What do you think, Trent? Uh, I. Makes me sad that I haven't seen the movie. That that probably be the big game changer if I actually saw the movie. And you think it would be rated but, or like yeah, like it, like if like how it is portrayed. But I mean, it is. It is a movie he saw in his childhood. But of course, you did put the the thing. It has to be PG and under. Okay. I don't know. Would you? Would you? Would you be willing to work with uh, King Arthur from the Sword and the Stone? <laughs> The new one? No, the the old the animated, Disney movie. Old animated Disney with the singing fish, Merlin. You know. Oh, I don't. It's King I Arthur. Guess, like, I guess. I, think the, I, think I mean, she's getting to. Yeah, I mean. Arthur. Yeah, I mean, his his his. It's principles, a young King Arthur. Yeah, but... his principles and everything are going to be the same. I mean, based it's off the story. Dragon's son, Arthur. Yeah, so. right, so I mean, he's still got he still got Merlin. Question. Oh, nice. Yeah, right, because so... luckily, with my nerd knowledge, I realized that uh, the PG-13 rating didn't exist until like 1984 or 5. So yeah. I was like, hey, <laughs> I'm... Indiana Jones was made in 81, so guess what? So Desmond's he, he... going with Indiana Jones. Mm, nice, nice. All right, That's so now, now for the twist. The twist question, that, or the twist add-on to this question is, why would that character make the perfect villain? Oh my gosh! Mm. Did you did you allow Kern's King Arthur? I would allow it in that. I don't know. It seems pretty. That's that's why I'm letting him do King his King Arthur. Arthur like, I'll just be fair. It's all the boobies. <laughs> yeah, that's, like, that's was, why it's R. It's all the boobies. Violence, oh, yeah. There was some violence in it, and then there no, was. No, but a, I think the R rating boobies in it. Yeah, I, I think the, the R rating, R rating the came from. Yeah. It wasn't because he ran around and dropped the F-bomb all the time and, like, flipped people off. I mean, so, I mean, it, it is what it is. I can pick another one if we want. I mean, I'm, no, I'm no, okay. No, no, I think it's fine. I, I think it's fine, too. It. Indiana Jones is kind of, like, one step away from being there, I feel. so. Yeah, like, I, I think, think you guys are, are evenly matched in this in this uh, with your choices. So, uh, so, Desmond, why don't you go first as to why Indiana Jones would make a great villain? Because Indiana Jones kind of already is a villain. The only reason he's not a villain is because he fights bigger villains. He's a tomb raider. He's a treasure robber. Okay? He literally digs in the bones of crusaders to steal their shields to find their brother so he can steal their treasure. All right? He stole the course, the cross of Coronado when he was a kid from honest archaeologists who found it. Explain to me why it's better that he found it than them. He just happened to find it. They, they put in all the work, and then they chased him down and took it, and he's mad about it. That makes no sense. In the, the Ark of the Covenant, sure, he went and got it from Nazis, but if you look at it that way, he still stole the damn thing. It's just because he stole it from Nazis that you're like, it's good that he did that. He's a womanizer. He he he's sleeps with his students. It's it's bad. It's bad. He's all he cares about is money. Like everything he's selling to Marcus to put in the museum. He he basically is a villain. All right, that's a, that's a pretty solid argument. Let's go on to Kern. Why would why would King Arthur make the best villain? Uh, I, I'm just going to say one thing. 
it it never showed Indiana Jones sleeping with the students. His students were flirting I, with I him. I can go into the breakdown of how that happens, but suffice it to say, um, I'm a big Indiana Jones fan. He sleeps with his students. If you want me to get into <laughs> it, there's the whole point of uh, when Marcus comes to his house, there's two glasses and you see some, he's in his bathrobe. Why would he be in his bathrobe with two glasses of wine or champagne or whatever it is there it doesn't mean it's a student doesn't mean it's a student it's right after we see the student flirting with him and he talks about the office hours and see me yeah it's speculation fan theory explaining this to people that's speculation (laughs) that's speculation and and I don't know that that's such a dick move anyway. I mean that's not a villain. I mean even if he did sleep it, with it's him. not it's not of good moral character. <laughs> it's hey. not like they were in high school. I mean come on, you know. It, anyway, so so King Arthur, um, you know, talking about stealing shit, he's going after the freaking goblet of Christ, you know, and so he's trying to get that to get. You know, immortality basically is what he's trying to get, you know, and so his ulterior motive could be that he wants to rule the world. If I get this goblet, I am going to be invincible. I'm going to have now the life who's of Christ. Speculating. <laughs> I'm going to have the life of to Christ. go get it. That's why he does it. Yeah, well, you know. So he's he's got an army behind him already. Uh he's got Merlin already a sorcerer who who some people deem as evil in itself and so he's already primed and set you know to follow that path all right all right um so let's let's get on the attack here we already got a little bit of an attack um little snippy attack there already uh so let's go ahead and just all out attack why why is the other person's uh, choice a terrible villain idea? Go ahead, Desmond. King Arthur is universally understood to be an upstanding man who is the perfect symbol of Christian male virtue, whose wife betrays him and whose best friend stabs him in the back, and that he is trying to get this goblet of Christ for the glory of God. He leads the perfect ca- kingdom. That's why Camelot is seen as a utopia. He is not running it into the ground. He is not an iron fist. We see it in almost every portrayal, whether it be this one or Monty Python or Sean Connery in First Night or or the Disney classic. It doesn't matter. Indiana Jones, in no matter what form he has, the, one in one version, he's the father of Shia LaBeouf. That's bad enough in itself. <laughs> he fights Russians and Nazis and other grave robbers and thuggy cults and we're like yeah he's the good guy it's easy to be the good guy when you're fighting when you're fighting nazis stalin was the good guy when he was fighting nazis okay we give him a pass he was going to blow up the ark of a covenant for a chick okay he lets people die so that he can escape with the girl he 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 has no real morals. Like Indiana Jones's moral compass is pretty much whatever saves us. He shoots people. He lets them get chopped by planes. He he throws them in conveyor belts and let them lets them get crushed. He the child slavery thing. The only reason he freed any of the child slaves is because he had to free short round. Short round freed the child slaves. Indiana Jones would have left them there. He just wanted to get out with the girl Willie Scott. That's it. He he lets tons of people go to their doom just so he can get the prize and get the girl and get out. King Arthur is nowhere near that cold or that ruthless. 
All right, all right. Uh, Kern, attack, attack Desmond. Why is well, Indiana Jones a terrible villain? Well, you know, as Desmond was doing, he was kind of going back and forth. So I'm going to do the same thing. Um, so, so you know, in any story, it doesn't matter what it is. It's all, it, and I say this all the time. It's a matter of perspective. You know, the villain thinks he's the hero. Some people may think the villain is the hero. It's all a matter of perspective. You know. Was Indiana Jones willing to blow up the Ark of the Covenant? No, he played a bluff and he got called on it and he didn't do it and he gave up and got captured. So he wasn't willing actually to blow up the Ark of the Covenant. And so he was trying to actually keep keep these objects out of the Nazis' hands who were evil that were going to use the Ark of the Covenant to basically gain power and take over the world. And his whole thing every single time was what was his line? That belongs in a museum because that is where he was trying to get everything in. It wasn't because he was just trying to steal it from everybody. It was because the people that were trying to make a profit off of it, he was trying to take it from them because it belonged in a museum. It belonged in a place for the whole world to be able to observe its beauty and its empowerment that it had in its in its you know heyday so that they could experience that. King Arthur, is he a villain? No, he's not a villain, but that's not the question. Is King Arthur really a villain? The question is, why would he make a good villain? And that is where we're going with this. He's making a good villain because he has the empowerment of a sorcerer behind him. He killed his own son. He has no qualms to kill if he needs to. His son, he deemed as evil. He went head to head with him. He killed him, but he has no... No qualms about doing what it takes to move forward. And so he's got a sorcerer. He's got an army. He's got this magical sword that came from the Lady of the Lake. And so if he decides that he's going to become evil, he's going to become evil. And there's going to be no stopping him because he's got Merlin behind him. And he's got the ex, the sword Excalibur. And he's got these knights that are going to follow him because of whatever it is. They He's... He's built this kingdom. He's built this this aura around him. And if he decides to make a left turn, they're going to follow him because he's going to give a reason why they're making this left turn. Sure, sure. Uh, I just want a quick rebuttal here. You're right. Okay, so who makes the best villain? Point uh, I would make is your guy is questing for the Holy Grail, right? And he has a magical sword and... All this stuff that's great. Indiana Jones actually achieved all those things. He got an alien skull. He got the Ark of the Covenant. He actually found the Holy Grail and the Shankara Stones. So if he wanted to use them for evil, he's already got the things your guy is trying to get so he can get started. He's like three movies ahead. He's already got three other items. He's like a spear of destiny away from being the supreme ruler of the universe, if that's what we're looking at. Now, you know, Indiana Jones, you know, what's it, what's he got? Uh, what was his name? Uh, the little freaking dippy dude. Uh, oh, man, I forgot. Marcus. He's got Marcus as a teammate. I mean, who does he got? I mean, he's got, he's got his Sean dad, Connery's Sean Connery. Dad. Okay. Yeah, he's got a whip. He's as big of a dipshit as Marcus. They're both like, a, you know, two peas in a pod. Because they still get... managed to find the Holy Grail before your guy. <laughs> well... You know, maybe. You know, and, and actually, it. No, he you know, chose it, wisely. It was yeah. it was Percival who found the Grail, and so it didn't go undiscovered by the Arthurian knights. It was Percival. You know, and and so the other thing is is does King Arthur have evil in him? Yes. So if we're talking about 
Arthur in the sense of Arthur, you know, we've got way more history that we can pull from, you know, in regards to Arthur. You know, the Romans sent a messenger to Arthur saying that you need to yield to the Roman Empire because we are in control. He killed those messengers and sent them back and said, not only F you, but I'm going to come to Rome and take what's rightfully mine. He he has, I mean, those messengers were in, innocent. They were just They were just messengers. But he has no problem with doing what it takes to send a message. And if his message is going to be, I'm going to be evil, not only does he have a huge army behind him, not only does he have a powerful sorcerer behind him, not only does he have a magical sword behind him, he is going to freaking dominate in that world. All right, let's do, uh, let's, let's, let's wind it up real quick. Last, last moments, about 30 seconds. Desmond, go. Indiana Jones shot a guy in the street because he had mud butt. <laughs> it was it was because he had the flu actually. But yes, he was irritated. <laughs> I think you broke current. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, Des uh, uh- Kern, what is your your thirty second <laughs> last bit? Go. Oh no, I think I've already said it. I mean, okay. I, I can't say enough. You know, he went against he he went against Morgana and uh, Mordred, and and defeated them. And so, you know, and and the other thing is is he's got power. He's got powerful people behind him. You know, I mean. You know, we we haven't even touched. This is the thing about uh, Arthur's. You don't hear the stories about Tristan of Islode. You know, a powerful knight, questionably stronger and more badass than Lancelot, loyal to King Arthur. Um, you know, he's got a po- powerful members behind him, and so uh, you know, he's like a he's like a freaking you know, you know, medieval type. Hitler waiting to happen, except for he's got way cooler shit than freaking Hitler had. If Hitler had Merlin and Excalibur behind him, he, he would have probably won World War II, and we'd all be freaking eating sauerkraut right now. <laughs> all right, so this one was really funny and uh, pretty tough. Um, I, I'm I'm definitely uh, fighting against any um, biases I have for this one. Uh, but I'm I'm gonna uh, and and uh, Trent agrees. Uh, we're gonna give this one to Kern for King Arthur. I think overall, just a uh, the capabilities to do a lot more uh, than Indiana Jones. Although the the almost got me with that last bit though, Desmond with the shooting mud butt. Mud butt. I'm I'm saying I'm going against my my biases because when I. I, I hadn't watched Indiana Jones for a long time. And then when I finally did, I was like, he's not a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's stealing from people. <laughs> so I was definitely, why I definitely got a good laugh out of that. But I think in the end, I got to give it to Kern for King Arthur. Just, uh, I think. I'm going to use my objection card in this one. Uh, okay. It's okay. I'll take it to the Nerd Podcast Mafia after the fact. Rose did hey. it on her. I'll do what? it on this one. Okay, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll yeah. take, I'm, we'll let the, okay. the. We'll let the them. We're only help. we're only halfway in, so but yeah, I, I doesn't have, change anything. But I, I, do, still object. I do have a question though, Desmond. Did you have a second? Did you have a backup for uh, Indiana Jones? Uh, no, it was really hard with the PG thing because I knew I okay. knew what movies. I think it probably would have been uh, Peter Venkman from Ghostbusters. 
Oh, all my oh, fallbacks are Ghostbusters. For oh something. my gosh, that would have been a tough, tough sell. Uh, and and I think mine would have been a tough sell. Also, my backup was Luke Skywalker. Whoa. So yeah, I, I had that one too. Yeah, you could make a great pocket, villain though. Turn pulls out because. Yeah, and, and, and you know, you know, against the grain, you know, because like in in the Star Wars universe, people are going to think, "Oh, Kern's going to pick freaking Darth Vader." Well, I didn't. As a kid, I wasn't really that big of a Darth Vader fan. It, it wasn't until I got a little older that I'm like, "Ah, fucking Darth Vader's a badass," you know, and I started really appreciating, you know, what he could do, you know. So, so that would have been really awesome if I had Darth Vader because it'd have been like he's already fucking evil. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, what's the selling point? You know, yeah. you well, I'm really glad you guys chose heroes instead of villains. I argue I did not. You did not. <laughs> that, that wasn't the question, though. All <laughs> right, I'm so saying argue. Okay, I also quick. argue he wasn't a hero. Next question: um, The Starship Enterprise crew witnesses oh the God. death of a star sapphire, aka a pink lantern. The Star Sapphire's ring finds a new owner and one of the crew members. Which one and why? Deanna Troy. Oh my God! You know I had her picked too, man. Um, and I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have her picked as as a standalone, uh, though. Um, man, I just I I was I was so on the fence about this, man. I mean, you know, because you know the Star Sapphire. Uh, I, I don't know jack shit about that other than when I started researching it a little bit. And and so powerful the, – the three most powerful females that I could think of on the Starship Enterprise is uh, – uh, and, and we're assuming that, uh, you know, it's, it's over the whole entire deal. So one is Natasha Yar, um, who's a badass warrior fighter, everything like that. She's already adapt and everything. Um, and the next is Deanna Troy. Uh, and, and then there's Guinan who we don't know a lot about, but you know, she's very mysterious. She seems to have a little bit of power, everything like that. And so I was just like, my gosh, man, what, who am I going to pick? And then I started researching the star Sapphire and, you know, as, as one sided as the star Sapphire is, it does occasionally pick a male. And so I'm going to go True. with Worf. Okay. All right. So Desmond, why why does it choose Deanna Troy? Well, here's the thing with Deanna. She's she is a a Betazoid, right? Half Betazoid. Mm-hmm. She can she has empathy. She has the ability to feel the emotions and to to influence the emotions and to be influenced by the emotions of other people. Which is really important when we talk about any lantern cord ring, right? Because uh, that's it. Now, the pink lantern is love, correct? Uh, yes. Going off memory here. So one of the other things, if there's three defining characteristics of Deantro, it's one of them is her love of Will Riker and them eventually getting married. She already naturally has that. But what got me was she can pretty much go cook your ass and spirit bomb you because she can just be like, Everyone, lend me your love, and then smash you into oblivion with her with her power ring. That All is right. a big plus for me. So my big points in picking her is one: she already has it within herself. She has the ability with her love of Riker to power that ring and control it and wield it reasonably. And even if that's not enough, she can then draw on everyone else's love to power that. Thirdly, 
as we see in the last season, she becomes a full commander. She she is a command level officer. She can command the Enterprise. She proves to herself, even after Will tells her she can't do it, when everyone tells her it's over, she doesn't give up, and she finally commands the mission and sacrifices Geordi in the holodeck to make the decision to save the rest of the lives. She gives that order. So she has the ability to be a strong commander and fighter and warrior in and of herself. Plus, we've seen her fight Worf, and she can take him down. I'm just saying hand-to-hand, not with rings. We don't know. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying she's strong enough that Worf's a capable warrior. She's a capable warrior and commander, and she's definitely got the power of love like you knew. That's the power of love. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> that should have been a musical question. Yeah. Been, I'm like, damn it. I think that's, I think that's Robert Palmer. But anyway. <laughs> All right. That's, so, that's... so, so good, good, good stuff there. Uh, Kern, why, why would Worf make a great pink lantern? Well, I mean, just real quick, you know, all the reasons that Desmond said is why I was really heavily considering Deanna Troy. And, um, uh, had I gone first, I, I probably would have picked her uh, just for that reason. Um, now, uh, Worf, uh, this is the thing about the about the um, the sapphire ring is that it 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 typically picks picks women. It doesn't pick men, but on a few occasions it has picked men, and that's men that the ring deems worthy. So. It's got to be somebody that, that's exceptional, you know, in in the in the the sight. I won't say eyes of the ring because it doesn't have eyes, but in the sight of the ring. And so I think for Worf, you know, uh, if if Worf was a Klingon that was raised by Klingons and had that one hundred percent total mentality, I think it would not pick him. But since he was raised by humans as an orphan. And went into Starfleet, um, uh, kind of, kind of learned the ways of Starfleet. You know, uh, within the series of Star Trek, there's a lot of growth uh, with Worf. You know, as as Desmond was talking about with Deanna Troy, um, you know, there's growth in that character, and that's the same with Worf. You know, there's there's growth with Worf um, as as he becomes um, he he advances as well. He doesn't become you know commander of a ship or captain of a ship. But um, he 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 gained status, and I think because his honor itself, um, I think you know as a Klingon, he's got that high sense of honor, and um, uh, but he doesn't let that muddy the waters in relation to really what's legitimately right or wrong. So on the human side, on the more you know the humanity side, so to speak, I think. You know, that's why the ring picks him is because as a male on that ship, he's got a high level of honor. And I think in in the situation, regardless of, you know, who it is, and he's made these tough decisions before in regards to going against his race, he's going to make the right decision. All right. Um, So why in this case would... um thinking of the other the other person's choice why would the ring instantly fly to your character instead of theirs hmm. well uh Kern's saying that Worf has honor and morals and all that's great but it's the ring powered by love and uh Worf versus Deanna in that department I don't think is a contest 
Because my argument would be that even if Worf does have some sort of love that you want to find in there, she can still siphon off that. I mean, that, I know that's a bit of a, of a, you know, of an overplay of my hand there every time I keep saying. But the fact is, the ring originally pictured because of all the of all the love stories we see on the Enterprise, the through story is the, the story of Riker and Troy. So. If that ring, if a star sapphire is out there and goes down, and that ring is flying through, finds it, that's the two to me that it would look to pick. And I think that because her job is to be empathetic, because biologically she is more empathetic, that the ring would know that she knows how to deal with having these emotions. It knows she knows how to deal with having the emotions of other people in her head. So she would pick that. Also, no, I was wrong. It, Robert Palmer seems bad case of loving you and uh, addicted to love. It was, it was Huey Lewis. <laughs> so good job there. <laughs> All right, Kern, why why would you ring immediately go to Worf instead of Deanna Troy? Um, well, uh, you know, I mean, I think I've already said it. I mean, you know, yeah, love is the the guiding factor for this, I guess, you know, because the, as with the green lantern, you know, and the, the, you know, they got their little oath that they say, you know, the star sapphires, they say for hearts long lost and full of fright for those alone in blackest night, accept our ring and join our fight. Love conquers all with violet light, you know? So I, I agree that, you know, there's love there and, you know, it is empowered off. I think, um, I know there's a reference to Aphrodite because Wonder Woman at some point dons the ring ring temporarily, and um, and I don't know at what point the ring gets gets accepted by her because I know it gets split in two at some point because of the of the power of it and everything. But I I, I think at the same time you know uh, that's that's kind of again I say a matter of perspective, you know um, you know Worf may not have the the love as far as like say for Riker that Troy has you know she's got that that sentimental love you know um for him as like a soulmate or a partner or a genuine love for him as as a crew member even and um so but I think Worf's got the same same type of love within him but not on the same level you know obviously he's not he's not in love with the Riker but he loves he loves his crewmates and he loves you know the fact that you know he's a part of this bigger picture where no other Klingon has ever been a part of you know he's the first Klingon in history to be a Starfleet officer and and so his love for you know the honor that he carries in doing the right thing, you know, compounds him, you know, to, to do that. He's going to do the right thing. And, and so, and that's what it, and I think that's what it boils down to. I mean, whether it's love for a person or it's, it's love for, for the, for the, the value of life and doing the right thing. I think that all m- melds together because it can't be just strictly based off of, I love this person greatly and I've got great love because your love is going to encompass them as a whole and, 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 and your decisions that are made. And that's, and that's the same with Worf, his, his love for humanity and his love for the, the, 
for how he was brought up and the culture that he's in now and the to do you know to see the clarity and and separate himself from you know yes he's a klingon he's going to follow klingon ways but he's also going to you know not only share that love for mankind but other species as well and do the do the right thing and and I'm not saying that Troy would would not do the same thing I'm just saying that on the love factor that's you know that's no, why I, I agree and, I agree I think I think that's a solid argument maker and I, I agree with that, and it's not all just based on her love of Riker. I'm just saying she has that. That's why the ring would choose her, is because it can feel how strong that is. But also, like I said, her ability to empathize and connect with everyone. Don't forget, her primary role is ship's counselor. She, her job is to be there, to be that shoulder, to be that guiding, stern voice, though, too. She definitely understands what it means to love, not just in a romantic sense, but also in a compassionate human sense where her job is to look after the emotional and mental well-being of all of the ship. That's her literal job. So I agree. While Worf does that, he's chief of security. I will not knock you there. He definitely has to have that to do his job. I think the ring chooses her over Worf because she does have that romantic love on top of it that is so strong, and she does have the ability to empathize with others and also influence others and draw on them. Right. I, I'm well, gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go I'm gonna I, I'm gonna throw a kink in the uh, in the argument here if I'm allowed to. Yeah, I'll, I'll allow it. Okay, so <laughs> we're talking about love and we're talking about niceness and everything like that, but overall, that's not what the star sapphires are. The star sapphires are freaking assholes and they're brutal, and so when it comes to picking somebody off that ship. It's going to pick somebody that can incline towards that direction. And yes, love is a factor. But when you actually talk about the star sapphires, they're they're not just happy go lucky, you know, people. They're freaking right. dicks. Which is know? why I pointed out and, that she's and I also a full commander and sacrificed Jordy yeah, on the hollow deck to save the ship. She's totally okay. But but, she's, but that's not a dick move. That's not a dick move. A dick I mean, move would be sacrificing Jordy to for the fact that she wanted a cafe latte instead of something else. I mean, that, the, the I dick mean, move. Okay, sure, but you just made this whole argument at the beginning. Your whole argument was based off he has the honor and the spirit to do the right thing and the morals no matter what. He'll always play the right card. So uh, Worf seems like he's in a pickle there too if Jordy, throwing Jordy under the bus to save everyone – isn't strong enough. I don't know how morally upstanding Worf has love the of all men. Worf, Worf can, has the capability of channeling that animalistic attitude and going south if he needs to, or right. I don't think does. I think I think we're we're gonna we're gonna end this this argument here. Um, I think that I I think I've got to go with uh with Deanna Troy on this one. Unfortunately, I think she was just a better better choice. I know that you wanted to choose her as well. Um, Kern, so I'm sorry you had to go with your, your backup, but, um, yeah, I think, I think with her her empathetic abilities, her, um, not only her love for everybody else on the ship and being able to do that, but also her extreme love interest with the, with the person on the ship, um, I do think I'm going to have to go with her on this one. And, and I'll, I'll converse with the, uh, podcast mafia on this because the description of them is, quote, Many of them are villainous. So 
I'm just going to say that when it comes to picking the goodness 100% as a whole off it's, of somebody that can go south and be be that that villainous. If I mean, they it's true. I it's true that a lot of them. Many are, of them are women. Yeah, that's the thing. A, a lot of them are are villainous, but it's usually if you if you see the stories from behind these women that are the that are the villains. It's usually because they're they're still using love, but in that vile kind of way where it's like they're putting their own selfish love needs above others. Um, like as in the, I love this person, so I'm going to trap them in an ice crystal and keep them forever so that nothing happens to them. Um, that's the kind of villainous that the star sapphires are, and I, I don't... I think I'm still going to go with Deanna Troy on that one. Oh but no, no, you... I'm not. I'm not talking about a, a, a decision sway. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that that as a whole, you know, the the Star Sapphires are villainous. They're not good, and you can throw love into it all you want, but villainous is still villainous in the true sense of the word. All right. Well, let's move on to question number five. You get to take the abilities of any Nintendo character to aid you in your mundane, average life. Who do you choose, and how do you use their abilities? Oh, man. <laughs> do I get... Do, whose turn is it to go first? You, you go ahead, Kern. Okay. Man, this this was so freaking hard. Uh, because, I you know, instantly I think of Mario. You know, because of Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I'm, I'm trying to, I, and so again, I, I go to Google to try to research something that would like uh, assist me in mundane activities. You know, yeah, it's nothing, not a, nothing it, exciting. Yeah, it's not about like, well, I'm able to jump really high and be invincible, so I'm going to be a superhero. You know, um, so I picked, and I, I don't know if I'm going to say this word right, but it's Kamek, K A M E K. Oh he's, yes, yes, yes. He's a magic Koopa. Yep. He's the head magic Koopa. Okay, comic. Okay, cool. Yeah, and uh, and so that's that's who I pick. All right, do, I, and... do I need to go into details? Or... No, go, go, we'll we'll have Desmond Desmond okay. pick his or I, tell I, us what I, his pick was. I picked Mario. All right. <laughs> so uh, Kern, why why comic? Well, is that how you say it, comic? Comic. That's how I always say it. Okay. Um, Comic. I mean, I really think I really did think about Mario and everything, but and and this is you know as with one of Desmond's questions, I don't remember which one it was, but it was a very like like individual question because you're asking me to to state an argument that benefits me, you know, and Desmond's going to have an argument that benefits him. So this is a very personable question. And and I and I did consider Mario, but I was just trying to think in my head how would that benefit me. And so when I when I came across Comic, um, he's an extremely powerful sorcerer, um, and he knows a lot of spells. He's got access to magical powers. Um, he could teleport. Uh, uh, you know, whatever. I mean, he's got spell books that he can access magic. He's got a large library of magic books. Um, and so I would use that in my mundane assistance to basically uh, almost kind of the way Mickey Mouse in uh, uh, Fantasia used all the different things to clean. I would do the same thing with that in my mundane 
life. It's like, I've got a big proposal to do, magic wand, boom, proposal done. I've got to, you know, project manage this this big, huge project with 50 people, you know, magic wand, done. You know, so I would I would use I would try to use the magic as much as possible, feasibly feasibly possible, you know, to to assist me, you know, I, I and I understand that, you know, not always would magic be the answer, but at least to assist me in those mundane lives. And you know, and, and then so I think you can also I'm trying to remember, uh yeah, he can teleport. So I would I would use that. I fucking hate driving in freaking traffic. And so you know, now that I'm out in the L.A. area, I deal with that on a daily because I drive mm-hmm. off the mountain and go down. So if I could just teleport to my freaking job, teleport, teleport, you know, for instance, I want to put this as an argument. And Desmond, you know, how would you like to go to bed like two hours earlier? Because I could get off work and teleport here immediately and do our podcast on Thursday nights. And boom, you wouldn't even have to wait till till freaking nine o'clock at night to do it. You know, we could we could get it done at like freaking four thirty in the afternoon, you know, so I would use that in, in every aspect, you know, that, that sorcerer ability, you know, to help assist me, uh, in my mundane, uh, life, especially with work and travels and things like that. All right. That's, that's fair enough. Uh, it's very convenient. Uh, Desmond, how, how would you, how would you use the powers of Mario in your, in your everyday life? Well, I just think that like, it's an awesome power set to have one, uh, double jumping does come in handy because, like, you live on the second story. Mario can fall that far. Like, I just double jump. Falls are nothing to Mario. I could just jump out of all the windows I want and be fine. So that would be awesome in and of itself. Plus, double jumping would be cool. Being able to bounce between walls like I was Jackie Chan would come in useful because I would never have to walk around anything. I could just walk straight to where I was going. Uh, also, whenever I need money, I just have to punch a brick. That would be super helpful. Um, because in my daily life, I'm also like, I'm always like, I don't know, money. So now you just be like, wait a minute, there's a brick. Hold on. Let me punch it a few times. I might even get lucky and get an extra life. Okay? That would be wonderful. Secondly, uh, the other cool thing would, you know how many leaves are on the ground right now? I'd be a raccoon like 90% of the time. So... That would that would also be helpful, because then I could fly around everywhere. You were talking about traffic and stuff. I hate it too. Fly around. I just find it, find it, grow tail, wear a cool hat. Uh, speed travel anywhere there's manhole covers. I just jump down them and end up where I want to go. I can even skip levels. You were talking about getting your work done. I, I could get whole days over with because I could just skip to like May twenty seventh. So I think that would be awesome. Also, uh, I think I'd look pretty styling in overalls. So, <laughs> well, you can make that a part of your reality anytime, Desmond. <laughs> no, I'd have to find more bricks to punch to get my to buy overalls. Yeah, yeah, those are like special bricks. So they're just not like every every individual brick. It's like you know, what, how are they? Did they have like a? I forget. They have a symbol on them, don't they? Not all of them. Some of them are just. Oh, they're just bricks. random? Yeah. I don't remember. Uh, yeah, so I know it's random. I know it's not every brick. I just know it's random. Or not random. They're they're in set in the level, but you have to know which one it is because it looks the same. All right, so let's let's do an let's let's this is this is tough. This is tough. You both have really good arguments. Let's do an attack. Why why 
are the other person's uh, not as good as yours? Uh, Kern, go. Well, the first thing that, that Desmond said is uh, that that like like that was like a red flag for me is he was talking about being able to go down the manholes and skip levels, and uh, like all of a sudden all the work done, all the work done, you know, like days later, whatever it is, weeks, I don't know, whatever the time frame is, done, and that. That reminded me instantly of and Adam Sandler's uh, remote movie, Remote Control. Click. Where he, yeah, click. Where he kept skipping forward, skipping forward, skipping forward. He missed his whole fucking life. You know, so so he was making his life easier, but he was skipping it. I'm, my my deal. I'm not wanting to skip my life. I'm just wanting to make my life easier <laughs> you know so i want i want to be able you know so if i've got a proposal to work on or or whatever i want to be able to you know put the magic out to work on that proposal and and i can goof off on you know watching you know funny cats on youtube or whatever i mean like i can do whatever you know i'm and so that's where i'm trying to to go with mine i'm trying to make make mine easier and not not erase part of my life and fast forward through part of my life i'm just trying to make sure that uh i just make it a little bit more cushion a little bit more easier and uh and plus the magic is cool too you know i mean because you know if if i needed to like you know magically make a ferrari appear in front of me i could probably make that happen and uh if i wanted to magically make you know Anything else, uh, you know, hot fudge Sunday if I was feeling it, boom. I don't got to go to freaking McDonald's or I don't got to go to freaking, you know, Baskin Robbins or whatever. It's like, boom, freaking, damn, there it is. You know, so, you know, with the magic, I've got, I've got all that basically at my fingertips to where I can just, you know, make life a lot more easier. And then while all this other work's going on, I can work on some of the stuff that I'm a little bit more passionate about. So if, if I want to work on things that are, you know, video game related or, or script writing for a destiny musical play, that's going to appear on Broadway, <laughs> whatever I can work on that stuff and still get my work done and still make a decent paycheck without sacrificing that. All right. All right. Uh, Desmond, why is why is uh, your powers better than Kern's? Sure, I mean you can get your job done quicker and easier and more fun. I can just go punch bricks and get a gold coin the same size as myself. I'm six foot. Um, I'm pretty sure I just need like three or four of those, and I'm set for life. So it's not. I mean, you sure you can use your magic. Uh, I'll just have a billion dollars, whatever. Uh, plus. Also, you said you don't want to drive. I would love to drive. I don't know if you've ever played Mario Kart, but I can just throw shit out my window. Oh, no, I, 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 I talked about it's a, legitimately a fun, and nobody can say anything to me. I'm fine. And even if I veer off the road and should die, I'll just get pulled up with the fishing fishing pole and put back on the road. Perfectly fine, <laughs> ready to go. Uh, also, it, you were saying that I'll miss all my life. You're taking all the joy out. You're going to use your magic to do any everything in the you're never going to experience it. If I want to do something, I can just do it really well. Like if I want to go sightsee and I don't want to waste time, I can, I can, I can take a tunnel to go there. I'm not saying that I would use the skip date, but I can just do, 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 come another place. I can hold my breath when I go on vacation. I can hold my breath in the ocean forever. I can swim across the entire ocean. As long as I don't run into any squids, I'm fine. 
Well, I mean, I, I mean, and I could do pretty much the same thing. I mean, I'm and, and my deal. I'm not talking about, you know, making you know, seriously. My life I've seen. Harder. I'm not. I'm not. I'm basing mine. On, I'm going to attack here a little bit. I'm basing mine on things I've seen my character do. I've seen your character throw the symbols from the PlayStation controller around. <laughs> Right? And 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 when you talk about smashing bricks and getting uh, gold coins, you're talking about vandalism and putting the cops on you. Um, so, I, you know, I don't talk about. I'm not. I'm not talking about not making my life easier. That's the whole point of magic. I'm talking about the mundane things that we have to do in society. So I have to work to get a paycheck. If I could I make that I whole thing. If I could make that thing a lot easier and not really physically have to do the work, but still get the work done and get a paycheck and then concentrate on more of the fun stuff that I want to do, then absolutely that's what I talk about doing. You know, but yeah, no, I mean, you know, you get, you know, to smash bricks, I don't know what kind of bricks are going to be out there, but you know, if you're smashing a building or whatever, that's vandalism, dude. I mean, I so go, I'm going to go to Home Depot, I'll buy bricks. One of them will have a gold coin bigger than the brick itself. That's how it works. I'm not. I'm here to explain the physics of it. How am I going to have the tail like and the hat with raccoon ears? I don't know. How am I going to turn to a frogman? I don't know. But that's what happens. Well, yeah, and I don't know how I'm going to have a magic wand that basically has at my at my fingertips to give me anything basically that I can think of. I mean, you magic. say that, but I, again, I argue that as far as what we've seen. You you throw sparkly shapes, and uh, wear really gay actually, he's a powerful sorcerer, and he's proficient in black magic, and knowing he knows a lot of spells, uh, has many magical powers. Uh, yeah, I, I don't care what his Wikipedia says. Creation of peak geometric magic projectiles. He can change <laughs> size, you know, uh, of living beings or objects. Uh, Pyrokinetics, duplication, mental projection. I mean, you know, it, it it's not just throwing a controller and sparking. No. I mean, you should really call Nintendo and tell them that you have those powers because they would be very interested. Um, oh, I didn't have to call Nintendo. I, I called Google. And I, I understand. And, uh, um, and, and, uh, and I just to, feel like you may be Google, unfamiliar with the, the On top of the large library of magical skills, he's got mechanical skills. So he's got he's mechanical not, Mario's a plumber, okay? And as far as I know, he's the only plumber in the Magic Kingdom besides his brother. So that's a lot of toilets. Have you seen how many castles there are? That's a, well, you maybe can use those manholes to get to each freaking stop toilet faster. I'm not going to. I'm going to punch bricks, take the money, and retire. <laughs> I'm going to become an overall model. Okay, so this was this is an interesting one. This is this is actually quite difficult. Um, I'm having to uh, lean on my uh, my counsel here. Um, so I think that oh man, this one was really tough. But the my counsel my counsel did point out um, which one would be I think the best one in mundane life, everyday work, everyday. Uh, travel, and uh, I think that it's it's going to go to Kern for comic on this one. <laughs> I think you're underestimating the fun of driving a 200cc Mario Kart. 
Uh, dude, I, I mean, I, I talked about I could magically whip up a Lamborghini and drive. Yeah, you, you talk about it. But again, I, I really I have to object because anyone that's played the games knows he's not whipping up a Lamborghini. So uh, at this I, point, at this point, we have we are um, three Kern two Desmond. Oh, God, uh, it's tight. We got to tight around it, though, if we're going to get this done. There's no yeah. way. We we need to we need to book it through these next All right, questions. Let's go. Just do okay. It. Yeah. Help it. Okay. Uh, okay. So question number seven: Which two superheroes? Well, I guess question number six now. Which two superheroes, one from Marvel and one from DC, are perfectly matched? Um, the last one, uh, Kern got to choose first. So Desmond, you are first this time. Batman and Wolverine. Okay. Kern. I'm. I was a little confused by this question. Is it matched as in like, like dating matched, or is it matched no, as like, in like as in, match? Because as in like, which ones would like never stop fighting until they both collapse out of exhaustion, or uh, they just keep fighting because they oh don't like that? I see. I didn't take it that way. I thought you matched no. as in the same. Yeah, so I thought I the didn't same pick too. mine that way either. I thought the same too. Who did so you? What, who did you pick? Wait, wait, okay. What did you? What did you guys think it was? I thought it was who was just who was matched, like who matched up with each other. Who? Okay, then De- let's just go with that. Let's Desmond, go with who that. Did you pick again? Batman and Wolverine. Okay. We, since you both thought that that's what I meant, let's just go with that. Well, let me let me side side sidebar this real quick because like I also picked Deadpool and Harley Quinn as like a romantic match, but we're throwing that away right now. Um, so I went with. <laughs> I went with Batman and Black Panther. Okay. Also would make a great dating duo, I believe. Sure. I, I, I do think that as well. That's why I went Incredibly there. rich interracial couple. I'm for it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and so, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, this is going to be kind of an interesting uh, 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 argument here. <laughs> All right. So, Desmond, why, why is Batman, why do Batman and Wolverine work so well together? Batman and Wolverine are not the same character, but they share a lot of the same motivations. They're both loners. They're both outsiders. They're both characters. They're extremely driven to do what they do, not because they want to as much as they have to. And they don't always understand that drive. And their story is, I think, equally about themselves as it is the, the, the villains and problems that they face. Uh, also, I'm a big fan of Amalgam Comics, and uh, when they're combined together, you get Dark Claw, which is awesome. So I think that they, they, they can become one in a sense, but at the same time, I think they're better as a pair. Because Wolverine is a dark, tormented, driven soul that is just out to fight what he sees as evil and doesn't really understand and sometimes lets the, his lesser nature get the better of him. And Batman's the same. But they have two different approaches. And that's the interest that I like seeing. Is Wolverine is the blunt instrument approach. Although he's incredibly smart, he is the blunt instrument approach. Whereas Bruce is the intellectual, cerebral approach. Okay. And then, uh, Kern, why, why Batman and Black Panther? Well, you know, like I said, I, I had like different conflicts in my head about match. And so that's where the... Deadpool Harley <laughs> Quinn came from. And so I was thinking in my head, 
okay, so match, you know, equally match type thing. You know, so Batman and Panther, uh, Black Panther, you know, you know, what about a bromance type thing? Maybe that you know they're not gay or anything. So when, let's 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 just crush that thing right now. You know, but what about a bromance type thing? You know, it's just like you know they're both freaking rich as hell. Even though Black Panther is considerably worth more, but I think when you start talking about like the difference between like billions of dollars and trillions of dollars, I mean that's a lot of a difference. But I mean, come on. I mean, like everybody now is like. I mean, I've got like maybe a thousand dollars in my bank account type type attitude or something like that. You know, maybe I've got five grand in my bank account. You know, these guys got billions and trillions. So, you know, I don't see a lot of difference in in that. So they're both rich. They both suffered some of the same tragedies in life. And um, they both um, I'm going through my uh, they're both they both got the same type of intellect uh, when it comes to certain things. And uh, so that's why I think they would be a good match as far as like like a bromance type thing. You know that I think they would like be totally buddies. You know, they could potentially it'd be like, you know, maybe they start out a little bit as adversaries and like and then all of a sudden they start realizing, holy shit, man, we, we got a lot in common. You're right. You know, blah, 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 blah. And so I think that I think a bromance would uh, uh, occur out of this, you know, instead of a homosexual romance, like many of you are probably thinking. <laughs> We're always thinking of the homosexual romances. Yeah, between I mean, characters that don't go together. We are in a whole new world. Gotta ship it. <laughs> I, I well, mean, uh, sorry, Desmond, ahead, why, why, why is it? Why is why is yours better? Why is your matchup better? I think because they're the same at the core, but they're so different. They're so there's such juxtaposition of approach. Batman and Wolverine play well together because Wolverine's the best at what he does, and what he does is very nice. And Bruce is probably the nicest at what he does, but he still has this whole I don't I can't kill you, but I don't have to save you. And that's where it's like Batman can't kill, but he's all right occasionally in extreme circumstances with letting people die. And Wolverine is totally okay with mass like murder. <laughs> and right. that, that they're, but they're the same. When you look at the core, they're both these people that Batman, Bruce Wayne is the mask. And with Logan, Wolverine is Logan. And they're right. both fighting their primal, better nature of what it means to be them. He's the world's greatest detective, and he's the world's greatest assassin. Together, they are going to hunt you. They are going to find you. They are going to kill you. There's no getting away from Batman. Batman will find anyone. And if you think going out in the woods and getting away from city and high tech where Batman fares the best is going to help you, Logan can smell you from like 20 miles away. They are going to find you. They are going to hurt you, and they are going to get what they want from you, either by extracting it or beating you down or killing you. And in a firefight, in any kind of galactic catastrophic event, who would you rather have than the brains and the brawn of both sides? Like, Batman is the brains of the DC universe when it comes to good guys. And Wolverine is practically indestructible and is the brute of the Marvel universe. I think together, shy of the Hulk, he's probably the most indestructible guy there is. Pairing those two together means that nothing would be able to phase them. But they're so tormented and have these inner demons that the character building is so interesting. All right. And Kern, why is yours the best? 
Well, you know, and this is this is a very tough split because we both have half of the of the, the ratio. Yeah. And so, you know, I talked about bromance in there, you know, and so I think that their similarities in in their history would pull them together. Uh in, in the fact that they're both they're both very very rich, they're both very privileged. They've both suffered uh great loss when it came to uh their uh, parents and uh, I'm trying to look through my notes real quick. Um, blah, blah, blah. I don't remember where it was at, but anyway, um, they both suffered great loss. Um, but I think if they were, you know, to team up, you know, so once they kind of had that initial conflict of like, you know, well, who's this guy, who's this guy. And then they start realizing their similarities. I think they would be like the ultimate powerhouse because um, if they were to team up, you know, um, smarts, you know, uh, Bruce Wayne slash um, Batman is considered the world's greatest detective. Uh, Black Panther is considered one of the universe's smartest men. Um, uh, and, and the uh, skills that they have, uh, Batman was trained by some of the world's greatest fighters in Black Panther was a descendant of the history's greatest fighters. So I think when you start encompassing, you know, their money that they have, that they can throw into their toys, which is, you know, Batman slash X Machina versus uh, Black Panther Vibranium X Machina. You know, I think when you start talking about all those skill sets and all those detective abilities um i think they would just be i mean individually they're badass anyway but you throw these two together um i i really do think they would be unstoppable all right this is some some interesting interesting ideas i like them i think it's funny that you both chose batman as one of them um i'm leaning a bit more towards one though i'm seeing if if uh trent agrees he does agree. He's nodding his head in agreement. So we're going to go with Desmond with Batman and Wolverine. The brains and bronze, I like it. I think they're a great match. I think they'd be very entertaining to watch. Or read, <laughs> depending. Um, so that means we are down to the tiebreaker. Ooh. Oh, God. Ooh, snap. It is the tiebreaker time. You both have made it equally through the six questions so far. Um, Damn it, Curtin. So, why could you beat me? <laughs> I, 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 man, I thought I had a lock with fucking Black Panther. I mean, holy shit. They, how, how more fucking perfect is that? I mean, I don't know. But, you know, it is what it is. So we're going to freaking round seven. All right, round seven. The last round. Choose a classic horror villain. To help defend the world from an alien invasion. Uh, Desmond, you got to pick first last time, so Kern. Oh, I'm so glad I get to pick first because, I, I mean, I was pulling from, you know, uh, horror. Toxic Avenger is not classic. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I oh. think I would make, I would just be like, you chose what? Desmond wins. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If I, if I would have chose that, it would have been game over. Instantly, <laughs> podcast over. Um, man, I really struggled with this as well because I was just like, man, I just don't know. You know, you talk about aliens coming in. 
And and you talk about all the classic horror villains that are out there. You've got like Dracula and the Mummy, and uh, you know all these different ones that have come like you know since like the the seventies and the eighties, like Michael Myers and Jason and all that kind of stuff. And so Freddy Krueger, and it's just like you know who would be able to defeat the aliens? You know, I mean, who who would assist you best at defeating the aliens? And um. So I had to go with a guy that was described by Doug Bradley as stronger than Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers, and that's Pinhead. Now, from now I do have to ask for clarification here. Is that is, or, is classic meaning win, Rose? So I can pick mine. I would say um... – I would say you could even go to probably some of the uh, the 80s. I would say 80s would probably be... Uh, you Getting into the 90s is kind of no longer classic, I feel like. So I would say under under the 90s and out. So you can do like super classic, like freaking Nosferatu. But you can still do some of those old... Uh, those old, like, yeah, I guess I, I would I, consider I them golden I'm, to- age. I'm totally going Dracula, so it's fine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, so we've got Pinhead versus Dracula. Kern, why is Pinhead a great choice to fight the aliens? Oh, my gosh. Um, And and I, I, will, I will go with, I will, you know, give Desmond some some props here because like I was heavily considering uh, Dracula because of some of his abilities and everything. But um, Pinhead is first of all, he's a um, uh, what's the word? Uh, Cenobite. Cenobite. Yeah. And yeah, um, I'm like, if there was a better pick, Kern, I'm not aware of it, but I was like, you might be in trouble because I kind of like Clyde Barker and the, right. I'm kind of a pinhead fan, so we'll see yeah. how you fare here. Yeah, so Cenobite, you know, so so the deal is with with Pinhead is that, you know, he has like this supernatural ability, first of all. You know, he's going to grab his victims and he's gonna pull them into the depths of hell to be tortured for eternity. And he has the ability to phantom these objects. And more commonly, he uses these, like, uh, octopus-style, um, I don't know, know if they're, I don't remember if they're daggers. I think they're daggers. Um, to slice his victims up and, and just mutilate them. And he is just, I mean... He's ruthless, and so he's not going to stop, and and he can't be reasoned with. So so the thing is, is that in the original Hellraiser, you know, there was this puzzle box, and if you solve the puzzle box, bam, here he comes, and he's dragging your ass down. That was kind of like a bitter bittersweet sorrow type thing because it was like, hey, you know, I solved this freaking Rubik's Cube puzzle, and now I'm being dragged to hell. And so, you know... Could we send something up to the aliens and say, hey, there's this freaking awesome puzzle right here. If you can solve it, then you can have the key to the earth and we will bow down to you and do whatever you want. We'll yield to you. You know, whether that being said, 
he can still be reasoned with and controlled. So he's not a total rogue. His, his mindset is not strictly based off of whoever solves this puzzle box, I'm going to kill them no matter what. Because there's been times when people in the past have been tricked into solving the puzzle box. And he came out, and then he's like, mm, I'm not killing that person. Because they were tricked into solving that puzzle box. I'm going to go after the people that tricked them. So he he's... He's a very powerful being, supernatural being. I mean, something that I think, you know, you know, if an alien coming to this planet is on the same level as us, so let's assume we're space explorers and we come to a planet somewhere else. You know, we've experienced only certain things. We might experience some monsters, you know, in our in our past. You know, we know about the dinosaurs. We know about you know, saber-toothed tigers. We know about you know our current current monsters. If we want to consider them like certain whales and sharks and bears and things like that, you know. So you know, there's there's dangers on every planet. But when you start talking about a supernatural being on the level of Pinhead from Hellraiser, I think he would just jack with these guys on a level that was unexpected. I mean, he would he would destroy them. He would fuck with their head. Everything. All right, uh, Desmond. Why? Why is uh, Dracula the best choice against the alien invasion? Well, first off, he's a vampire, which makes him awesome. Secondly, uh, aliens probably don't have vampires or vampire mythology or any knowledge of vampires, so um, they're not going to know how, the slightest idea how to kill this guy. That's gonna that's gonna be a big plus for him. Uh, also, he can transform. He can turn into mist, maybe, or at least a bat or a wolf, depending on what version you have here. Doesn't really matter. He he can transfigure. That's going to be useful because he can just disappear. And they're like, where where did he go? Flight, super speed, super strength, uh, ability to control a bunch of minions. He comes with his own army. Uh, also, just cool enough the hypnotizing control. He can just like let me go talk to them for you. And the aliens are like. Fine, we'll meet you. First thing he does, hypnotize him, send him back home. I mean, it could be that simple. The other thing is, maybe they shoot him, think they kill him. Now you've got a fucking vampire trapped with you on a spacecraft. That's that's a horror film in and of itself, is something in space. Now you have Dracula in space. They shoot him, and they're like, we have killed your leader. We'll take his body and desecrate it. And he, the next thing you know, he pops up out of there, and he's like, blah, I've come to kick your ass. And it's over. They don't know that they have to. Where are they going to get a Hawthorne stake in space to put through his heart? It's not happening. Do you think they have space crosses? No. Now, holy water? Zero. It's not going to happen. He He's a vampire. He's super strong. Even the aliens come and they can do it. He can fly. He can turn into a flock of bats and just overwhelm their whole ship. It doesn't really matter what he does. He's, he's a vampire. He has so many abilities at his disposal that are just meant to destroy you if you don't know about vampires. All right, uh, so let's let's go on the attack here. Kern, why is Dracula a terrible choice against the aliens? Well, I think he's limited. You know, I mean, I, I, I did think about Dracula for a minute, and, and don't get me wrong, I think Dracula is a strong choice, but I don't think he's the ultimate choice. And that's why I thought about Dracula, but I moved towards Pinhead. You know, in, in first of all, in order to create other vampires, he's going to have to bite his victim and um, and 
make them a vampire. So he, in order for him to increase his forces, you know, there's a process there. And there, and there's a little bit of a process in the same aspect for the Cenobites, but they can both create the Cenobites from both living and dead victims. And so I think in that aspect, Dracula is very limited. Um, now I think, you know, Dracula has some strong points in regards to, you know, you know, he can turn into a bat and fly, or maybe, maybe he might even in, in certain, uh, genres, when you start talking about Dracula, uh, possibly teleport. Well, so can Pinhead. Pinhead can teleport. And, um, one of the things that he can do that Dracula can't is create explosions from a distance. And, Maybe Dracula has the sense of like manipulating his victims. Pinhead can deceive opponents with illusions. So he he can create a whole different realm for them and make them think they're in a world that they're not. And then and then totally deceive them to his advantage. Um you know, like I was saying, with the with the with the weapons that uh Pinhead has uh, he can control. They're they're basically like these these chains with hooks that fly out and they mutilate his opponents. And he can change the characteristics of those while he's doing it. Um, you know, Dracula is pretty impressive as as an opponent. I mean, but he's more physical based. He's got to be up front and in their face. He doesn't have weapons such as 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 the as the extending chains and hooks to mutilate his victims and pulling victims in several directions to tear them apart. I mean, you know, when you start talking about the aspects of what Pinhead is versus uh Dracula, I mean, I like I said, I, I really thought about Dracula, but I think Pinhead is a stronger choice because he 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 he's a he is directly from freaking hell. I mean, he he's uh, supernatural powers, the ability, you know, so far beyond what uh, Dracula can do. Okay, Desmond, why is Dra- why is Pinhead a terrible choice to fight the alien invasion? Because Pinhead depends on the lament configuration. That's the puzzle box, right? You have to okay. get them to accept the puzzle box, work the puzzle box, figure the puzzle box, open the puzzle box. And then have the Cenobites come out and decide that they'd rather kill them than you. That's the whole point. Kern talked about sometimes they'll go after the people that trick them. We're the people hoping to trick the aliens. So if you're okay with rolling the dice, that these hell creatures will come back and decide to take you to their their realm where uh, pain and pleasure are the same, then fine. That's one thing. I mean, vampires are a double-edged sword, too. I'm not ignoring that. But... The aliens would have to ignore so much protocol to find a foreign object, accept it, and then monkey around with it and open it unknowing. Forget that it's a biological hazard, a technological hazard, all kinds of hazards that you would just be like, man, but this is alien, this is covenant, alien covenant level of stupid. Let's touch the black goo and eat it and stuff. That you have to be to accept this box and then use it. And then. Even if they do, you're still 50-50 on whether it's even going to go after them. Whereas with vampires, we know how to defeat vampires. Um, that's pretty simple. You can give him an army. Yes, he has to convert some people. But think about this. Uh, once he bites one alien, he's got a vampire alien. 
That that's uh that's pretty badass. I mean, I don't know, ack ack, I wanna suck your blood, but it works for me. It worked for me. And that or after xenomorphs, that, think about that. A xenomorph vampire. Okay? That's definitely gotta be badass. Um and now it's fighting for you. They don't get those. There's no way for them to get their own vampires. The vampires work for you. So uh again, that would be cool. As far as uh, what's the point? They have to go hand-to-hand. Vampires aren't very... One, if you've ever seen vampires fight a la Blade, they're pretty good at hand-to-hand. That's perfectly fine. Also, faster reflexes, speed, uh, maneuverability, thinking. I'm sure you could bite one or two fighter pilots and make them into mega pilots. Like, this is super This is super uh, soldier serum, basically. Then we're giving these guys. You're going to make Captain America... If you let some SEAL Team 6 motherfuckers get bit by a vampire. So, uh, yes, you have to learn to contrain them. But I think um, we, we, we can figure that out. Like, they're gonna, they have the same risk we do. The va- if the vampires decide they don't want to help us, then they lose their food supply completely. So they're going to fight the aliens. The Cenobites don't have that same control. I think the puzzle kind of oh, I, us, I, I, I disagree. I disagree because this is the thing you you mentioned that you know Dracula can be killed, one stake to the heart, boom, dead. But so, they don't know that. See, you have that it, knowledge. It, but but they that doesn't that, 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 that but that's a that's a very very small aspect in regards to what the, the defense capabilities are from a Cenobite. The Cenobite is can resist gunshots. They can so resist. He, they can, okay. Wait, 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 wait. Gunshots. You can't. Okay. Shoot no. Yeah. Let me. Let me finish. They're highly resistant to damage and direct assault, and futuristic weapons, which makes it sound and deceiving opponents if- with illusions. So they can't be tricked. They can't be shot. So whatever these aliens are bringing with them. They can't. So they can't be killed. Dice sounds a lot better now. No, I don't think so because you can't stab. Them. You can't stab a cenobite in the chest right. with a wooden wooden stake and kill it. But you can well, a vampire. Has me worried for Dracula's life. And, and the fact that we wouldn't be able to stop a cenobite sounds like that's a 50-50 chance. I really need to take. Well, I, right. I I think I could take a take a wooden stake and catch a catch a vampire before a cenobite. Exactly, and, which is why they should be our 50-50 chance. We can kill vampires. But we're not talking about killing a vampire. We're talking about defending. If they go rogue, we are because after after they defeat the aliens, we have to be able to put them back in the box. No, we we've got to defend this world against aliens. So we need something that can't be killed by a stake to the heart. We need no, something. but we need something that after the aliens are gone, we can put back in the box. Well, and that pinhead, pinhead could you you mentioned the puzzle? Yeah, but yeah. you'd have to go back. Now you're going to go back to the destroyed alien base, find a single puzzle box. And millions of <laughs> miles of debris. That the one and thing about a cenobite can be reasoned with. And if you sit here and you say, "Yes, I solved the puzzle," you can take this one soul, or we can go to these aliens and take thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, or however many are on their ship of souls, and not only call in other cenobites that he has at his command. Because he's the leader. Pinhead is not a subordinate. You know, he has a whole army of Cenobites that he can call upon to pull in. Dracula, I mean, Dracula may be the dominant vampire, but doesn't really have armies of vampires that follow him. Oh, yeah, they're they all subordinate to him. 
All right, I think I think that this this was a this is a this is a big fight, and I think that um, it's tough, but especially since um, especially since I didn't I didn't know much about um, about Pinhead at the beginning, um, but I think that there is definitely definitely one thing that clinches this for me, and definitely why I have to give this win, the final win. Um, it's gonna go to Desmond for Dracula. The big thing that cinches it is that puzzle box. It's just the the. But that's have, that, that's not the clincher. Is the clincher is he can be reasoned with, and that's even in the in the 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 the, the lore. So can is Dracula. It, but but the puzzle box not a deal breaker. Yeah, I think for me, it's it's, a puzzle box and and he could be reasoned with. For me, the 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 fact that he that using the puzzle box is how you release him and that you usually comes after the people that either use the that are the ones that actually um, open it or the ones that trick somebody else into opening it. I think that we'd be screwed Either way, if we opened it to try and get them to attack the aliens, or if we tried to trick the aliens into opening it, uh, if we could I, even I totally, do that. I, totally, I gotta definitely go to the nerd podcast mafia on this. More because than willing, because I think, th- I agree, Kern, Pinhead is a favorite of mine. Cinnabites are about numbers. But, and if they the, but the issue I have with- is, we can't put them back in the box. Like, you have to use, a weapon that you use has to be a weapon you can control. And vampires, we know how to kill. That's why when you said it, I'm like, that's my big plus. Is yes, it's a stake through the heart. But in space, there's not a lot of wood to stake through someone through the heart. Whereas here, we can take care of them. We can't with the Cenobites. I feel like that's the my. Oh, they're, they're, they are controllable because they have been controlled. But anyway, um, well, you can okay. reason with them. But if they don't like your reason and just decide they want to kill you, we don't have anything to pull out and blast them away with. So yeah, I'm 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 giving it to to Desmond on this one. I believe Trent agrees with me as well. Ah, so thank you. International renowned, international sound Trent, <laughs> El Trento, as they call him. <sighs> El Trento. Uh, yeah. That one was tough. I I know you were you were very passionate about that one, Kurt. Oh no, I I'm gonna go to the podcast mafia on this because I debated very strongly in myself against Dracula. Versus oh, Pinhead. Yeah. This was not can... just me picking Pinhead randomly. This was yeah. me going through every logical aspect between Dracula's aspects and Pinhead's aspects. And all of the quirks that are involved. The puzzle box. The putting him back in. All of that stuff. So I've got to, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to. We'll, gonna, we'll, we'll, we'll go leave to, it up to our. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to divulge, you know. I, I yeah. just, I don't know. I, I did when I thought classic. I was thinking way, way more universal monsters. I think. Well, yeah, and that's the thing is when I googled classic, Pinhead came up because no, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying not, you're wrong. I just, yeah. I'm saying my thought process was Wolfman, uh, Black Lagoon, right. Mummy, right? Yeah, and I thought yeah. that too. You know, I was, I was going in that direction in the beginning. Well, I didn't but I even was, have anything. Uh, you know, because when you my, said it, I immediately accepted it because I'm a big, you know, Hellraiser, Clyde Barker fan. I just had the oh shit moment of, damn it! I could have picked other things. What should I have picked? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the thing is that Michael Myers, Jason, Freddy. Yeah, I didn't see. I didn't even consider them. Yeah, they're all considered classic. 
you know, at this so, point. And I yeah. get it, yeah. yeah. So what we'll do, uh, for, for, for we'll, we will temporarily crown Desmond the winner of this nerd oh, fight. I say temporarily. I, I, I say if Desmond's the winner, he's the winner. And if, if somebody disagrees with that, then it's just... It's 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 an argument to be brought up, but I don't want to change the outcome. I mean, honestly, me personally, I don't want to do that. I think you know if you're if you and Trent, Trent, oh, but Kerr, you're going bad. to get you because you I, know I what? To freaking, like play you up in the beginning and put you on my team, and then you stab me in the back like <laughs> like freaking Julius Caesar, freaking like ah, shank. And so, you know, if if that's the case, then then I'm I'm okay with that. But um, I. I, I Want, I do want to know what everybody else's opinion is yes, on that. We, and, and I don't want to choose the outcome. I think if it's chosen that Desmond's the winner, he's the winner, and and that's it. And so oh, um, you're Vim and Vinegar, though. Keep it, my friend, because you know what? You're the next judge. Yep. Oh, yeah. True. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be, be a good one because give me this, this is remember this what is, Rose did to you when you judged the. So, no, remember what Desmond did to you and he judged us. So this is the deal. Okay, so everybody that's listening to this right now, Podcast Mafia included, um, I do want to know whether or not you you have an opinion on base what we were talking about, all that. But that being said, I don't want what comes out of my mouth next to influence your decision. I want you to be totally unbiased. But there so, will be a pizza party for those yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is what my hope was, honestly. In my head, I was thinking, holy shit, I really hope it comes down to Desmond and Rose. You know, it, it, I, I was really hoping that. And so that I could be the judge for that. And 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 I'm going to have to figure out who I'm going to get as, as my alternate for that to keep me in check. But I was really hoping for that because I know Desmond, Desmond comes up with some stuff that's like, like, off the wall, he thinks of stuff. He he he's kind of like me in a way. He kind of thinks out of the box and everything. And Rose has the ability to adapt on the fly. And so, like some of her arguments in in the, in the that's your new wrestling name. In, in nerd, some of the nerd fighting argue, name is the chameleon. The that, chameleon. Some of the arguments that she had when when we were uh, fighting, I was just like, holy fuck, that's fucking that's really good. And so. <laughs> You know, and you try to like curb your enthusiasm and be like, "Oh, fuck them," you know. But honestly, <laughs> you're like, "Holy shit, that was a badass fucking argument." And so, I I, I don't want anybody to be influenced by based, based off of what I was saying. You know, I do want your honest opinion on on our argument, but at the same time, honestly, this is really the outcome that I was hoping for because <laughs> I, I think it's going to be a freaking badass freaking argument. I'm gonna have to really think about this. Is this is I'm gonna give you a heads up, guys. So this is where I'm gonna be going. I'm gonna be playing on part of the strengths of Desmond, part of the strengths of uh, Rose, and then I'm gonna pick something that I think is a neutral. In there. Okay. And that that's For the questions. That's where I'm gonna try to go with the questions. And so you know that could you know that that could be anything, obviously, but that's where I'm gonna try to go with it. So. Sounds good. Well, we will. It won't be next week, but we will. Um, we will definitely be doing that soon. 
I think this podcast has lasted long enough. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> but thanks, everybody, for listening to our nerd fight. Oh, my God. And thanks, congratulations to Desmond I'm, I'm, for the win. I'm sorry I didn't celebrate more vocally. I don't know why. Apparently, I do a happy dance when I win things instead of, like, grunting <laughs> and yelling. You need to be watching a video. <laughs> Just over here yeah, by right? myself, like, get my groove on. Uh, anyway, that's all I wanted to say. Oh, yeah. um, we have a Patreon. Go visit it. It's in the show notes. Oh, yeah. We got them those now. Yep. Help us pay for our websites and stuff. Please. Nice. Right? <laughs> Thank you in advance. Uh, we'll give you a shout out and stuff. It's all in there. Yeah, it's, it's all, all in, the... in there. Go visit. Please it's look. It's all in there. Have a good night, guys. Peace out. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Nerdtastic Podcast. And as always, a shout out to the Nerd Podcast Mafia. Hey, this is Steve from Dinner and Podcast. This is your boy Joey from the So Wizard Podcast. Speeding down with Code 45. This is John from Superhero Speak. And you're listening to the Nerd. You are listening. You're listening to the Nerd Podcast Mafia. Entertainment, your ears. Your ears. Your ears. Your ears, your ears can't refuse.